Hello and welcome to Zapped to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I am joined as ever by Graham Raddings. If you don't know and you have not listened before, this is the podcast where we talk about games that were released for the Commodore 64, whilst also taking a brief look at what was going on in UK music, film and TV back in the 1980s. Uh, We are using the magazine Zap64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap64 itself. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the games reviewed in issue 7 of Zap64, which was the dull, cold and wet month of November 1985. Graham! Tell us what we can expect in this first part. Wow, this episode is crammed like an 80s party buffy table. From little computer people cheddar cubes and wizardry pickle sticks to paradroid party sausages and winter games pork pie quarters, it has everything. Sadly, this also includes a saucer attack hunter patrol prawn medley and dealing with some rats. Even Jimmy Tablet makes an appearance. Again, pass me my shotgun, AD. Well, that sounds great. So... A little bit different this month, actually, because we are going to talk about a game, but we're kind of... This is not our... First big deep dive into a game, because that's going to come in a moment. We're just going to have a quick little brief sojourn into the life of uh, little computer people, or the Activision Little Computer People Discovery Kit, as it was catchily titled. So this uh, was reviewed in this issue, and it you know it got a gold medal. So it would behoove us not to uh, not to mention it. I think we should mention it. I think we should talk about it um, as as much as we can. Um, we're not going to go too much into it because it's uh, it's an it's an odd I've, I've put it, it's an oddball curio from that that really really good programmer David Crane and so the premise of this is that every Commodore sixty four has a little person living inside it um, and they will come out and say hello and talk to you if you give them a house to live in and 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 and, and this little character wanders about his house with his little dog taps on the screen and plays his piano and listens to music and has a dance and eats his food and feeds the dog and makes phone calls and plays on his computer. <sighs> yeah, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's just, I think, I don't know, it's a, it's a strange old little thing. But it is quite engrossing. I sat there for quite a while just watching him do his stuff, watching him do have a little boogie in a bop. I made him give some dog food and his dog was quite happy. I never played it back in the day because I never had a disk drive um, and it was rubbish on tape. So that was one of the one of those things I couldn't do. I think it's worth mentioning because, you know, one could argue, I think quite, quite strongly that this is an antecedent to games like The Sims, Seaman on the on the Dreamcast, Animal Crossing even, the Tamagotchis. Definitely. Um, and those, those, those kind of things. It's uh, one of those early examples of... Of, I don't know, watching a life within your computer. <laughs> yeah, um, it's isn't it weird? <laughs> isn't it looking back now uh, as you can? Because I mean, loads of these things have happened. You know, like you say, The Sims, Tamagotchi, loads of stuff that as you looking after little tiny avatar type creature things, whatever you want to call them. Isn't it a bit weird though when you look back at this one? The, the just the idea of it is odd. Um, and mm-hmm. if you look at all the games and the things that are occurring around this, just look at this issue of Zap, for goodness sake. And it sticks out like a... It's just... It's, <laughs> it it's defies reality that someone would... I think it's daring that someone would release it and, and just the whole whole idea of it is really unusual. So, Could you imagine Activision today releasing something like this? <laughs> Call, of Duty, little comp- Call of Duty, little computer people. I think, <laughs> I think it's it's... 
it's really clever, but I just can't for the life of me figure out what goes on in David Crane's head. It's just, it's just, it's just, I mean, and also if you think about it, it's also a little bit depressing to think that there's that little <laughs> guy in there, no friends to speak of. You know, you really commu- it's like a, yeah, but it's like lockdown simulator. I mean, we're all in lockdown now and this game is you know, 35 years ahead of its time. It's just, it's just living the life that we're all living right now. So it's, it's unusually prescient to be looking at a game where you've got a guy trapped in his house who can only communicate via different devices. He goes out for shopping and comes back and that's his life that's it that is true although to be fair sort of thing nobody I don't, when I sit down in my little chair a little hand will come out and pat me on the head no, that's a bit creepy. And what would be cool if he, if he got COVID? I mean, I'm not saying that'd be cool to get COVID. That'd be awful. But if you know, if he because he does get he, he does get ill, right? He can turn green and get ill. Yes, yes. but he does obviously doesn't. I don't, I don't don't remember the little computer person actually getting old or dying or anything creepy um, well, like that. I mean, or in does the he? review, I think I think in the Zap review, there's died. So he so he can die. That's kind of yeah, yeah, how yeah, bleak yeah. is that? I mean, does I that mean that there's people so. out there in the world with Commodore 64s burning away at their chips, switched on permanently because they can't? Can't let their little computer person pass away. Maybe periodically patting him on the head and you know getting him to because he does stuff by typing in, doesn't he? Because you type in commands and he goes and does stuff like feed the dog or yeah. and yeah, do yeah. all those things. But how I, was you aware of how many how many commands are there actually to do? I mean, there's quite a lot. I did a bit of digging around on the internet and there's a, there's a whole wiki page for it, as you've probably under, probably guessed. But uh, there's, there's quite a lot you can do with him, and you know you can play games, get him to dance. Mm. Um, all, all kinds of stuff. You can send him presents. You can, you know, all kinds of stuff. You can send can him a book. Can he develop a, a severe sense of global paranoia? Yeah, probably. Probably. Well, then, he, then I tell you what, is that that is the game that's very prescient for the now, isn't it? So yeah, absolutely. There is the uh, tinfoil hat version. Yes. Wouldn't it be weird if now you've played that game and you've switched it off, and obviously we've moved on to doing this podcast? All of a sudden, tweets from your little computer person started appearing, saying, "Ada, you've abandoned me." <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't like that. Switch me, switch me back on. <laughs> no, no, no. But also, the interesting thing is that um, one of the clever things that this game did sort of thing was that it, it randomised your little computer people, I think, based on the serial number of your machine. Okay. So so everyone's was different. Yeah, which is what uh, uh, Rust did with its um, wang length, shall we say, later on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if you know that sort of thing. What? Uh, the, the game Rust which, you know, is a big survival game on, on Steam. People play humans, in it, men in it sort of thing, and the, the, the length of their wang, shall we say, was calculated <laughs> on your Steam ID. And obviously this led to people being very irate sort of thing if the calculation ended in a small wang. <laughs> Do you know, it's amazing how conversations change, isn't it? You go from this charming little computer game about 35, 30-year-old computer game about tiny little people to... To steamy wangs. uh, How to, yeah, the the randomisation of of penis length based on a serial number and and an account number. I tell you what, it's a good job banks don't do that, isn't it, as well? You know, if they actually send the other way around, you go into any kind of bank and they're like, you can't can't have an account here. This is the girth bank. You need to be next door at the uh, <laughs> the other branch. Anyway, where we go with that? That's just a crazy. See, that's little computer people though. It leads you down that world of who knows what. That's it's. That's it why does. it's clever. Yeah, it's an unusual one sort of thing. And like, yeah, and like I said, it, it kind of. I mean, it's, it's similar to um, Animal Crossing in the way that you know, if you leave your village, you don't go back to it for quite a while. It'll be full of weeds and full of cockroaches in your house and everything. So there is that time-based thing. And yeah, yeah. Oh my so, gosh. In- interesting. I think. Um, 
for its time, I think quite as I said, it's a it's a precursor of lots of things to come that would be much much bigger. Well, I'm, I'm glad they don't um, come back to life or anything because I imagine if that was the case, I must have switched up switched it on and loaded it quite a number of times many many years ago. Which means that there's all these little computer people with beards and aging <laughs> just sat around waiting for somebody to you know. It, it, it creeps me out even the thought of it. It's uh, terrifying. Um, just, anyway, just looking at. Just looking over to the corner of the house sort of thing where it's just a dog skeleton because they ran out of dog food. That's so bleak. That's little computer people, like the bleak, abridged version, right? The threads version of little computer people where there's just an explosion in the window and that's it. It just slowly gets radiation sickness. It would be funny sort of thing if it did link in with other games you'd played at the time. So he just looked out of his window and saw a mushroom cloud if he'd been playing loads of theatre Europe. Oh, the dog's uh, fur is falling off, and it's just like attacking people at random. He just, like, oh, he just, no. just goes and sit, just goes and lives under the stairs, like in when the wind blows. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, he just tries to escape in a glider, but he obviously doesn't work because he, he's used glider pilot for the training, and it never wouldn't have helped him in the slightest because it's nothing like being in a glider. Okay, so that's that. Let's move into the games proper. And our first game is a big one. Not to uh, go back to rust. And it's uh, I think we might actually struggle to say new things about this, but let's try anyway. We're going to talk about Paradroid. Oh, well, I'm not, because I'm going to hand over to Graham. Graham, tell us about Paradroid. So Paradroid is a Andrew Braybrook Houston game. It was the one that we previously spoke about um, when we did the feature feature on Andrew Braybrook when he was doing his developer diaries. And I think by this point they must have concluded, have they? Or they, they can't be carrying I don't know. They probably think they finished. Anyway, the game is uh, you are a... Um, influencing robot uh, and you are on a series of I guess they call are they space hulks but essentially spaceships that operate on different floors and the, the whole of the ships are dreadnoughts dreadnoughts, dreadnoughts. and all the ship, all these dreadnoughts are populated by different types of robot which varying are varying power their power is designated by the numeric designation on the top of their robotic skin so you are a 001 so it means you aren't very powerful in of yourself but you can clamber on top of these other robots do a little takeover operation and um, which is a kind of a clever little in-game which we'll talk about in a little while and then after you've done that you then take over that particular robot and then you can gradually the idea of the game is to clear the dreadnought each floor of your dreadnought has got different robots on it the idea is to clear that floor then go up in the lift clear the next floor and eventually clear the entire dreadnought and then move on to and move on and move on so you've got these i think there's 10 overall it could be more but you've got quite a lot of um work to do the robots vary from 001 you all the way up to 999 which is the most powerful one um and you can work your way through the levels climbing your way up the various ranks of robot by taking them over now if you happen to fail at taking him over um you go back to being zero zero one and if you fail at taking them over as zero zero one it's the end of the game. Um, some of the robots will drain you of your power. So while you've taken over a robot, you've got a certain amount of power. If you're drained of that, you'll go back to zero, zero, 001 again, um, which is fine if you're on some of the lower, more easy levels. But if you're in some of the crazy hard levels and you are surrounded by level 800 droids, you ain't going to last long because they're going to blow you out the sky or blow you out the spaceship. So it's a game of wits. It's a game of challenge. There's loads of little intricacies in there. It's great graphics, really speedy controls. It's compulsive. It's a difficult game, but not too difficult. Difficult. There's a good good way of challenge. It's kind of a creep around the floors and navigate your way. Think about what you're going to do, which targets you're going to go for. There's a lot of gameplay in there. I think it still stands up to this day as a brilliant playable game. I had great fun replaying it. I am, I've never really not been a fan of Paradroid. There's nothing I don't like about it in terms of its graphics, its controls, its sounds. Everything is Andrew Braybrook polished here to a fine sheen. So you'd be hard pushed to find anything really wrong with it. And it, I believe it remains as good as, as good as it has always been. 
seen. It's a great game with Ben. It's a great game now, and it still stands up to being one of the most playable and fun Commodore 64 games of all time. That's my feeling. What about you, Mr. Mills? No, I thought it was pond scum. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> no, it's... Um... <laughs> what do you add? It is a fantastic game. It still stands up to this day. It is deceptively simple in premise design and it, uh, its visual design, which belies the level of thought that has clearly gone into every aspect of it. From a, you know, if you just look at the, the, the main screen sort of thing, you may think, oh, that, that doesn't look that great sort of thing. It's quite quite in, in, weird sort of thing. But it does a very, very clever thing in that it plays, again, this is a game that plays to the 64 strengths. If it had a load of robots trying to stomp around, it would look rubbish. So it doesn't do that. It just has the representation of them. And it does loads and loads of clever things with that representation. Your health, the way it represents your health is the the speed of this uh, the spin on your sort of representation of you. Because basically all you see is a load of numbers. You know, you're zero, zero, 001 moving around and it's got like a little sort of crescent on the top and a crescent at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of spinning. That crescent is like a little animated spin across that. The speed of that is your health. It's a brilliant little touch. Immediately telling you, you know, you don't need GUI or clever stuff like, you know, something in yeah. the corner. You're instantly, you instantly know how well you're doing by the speed of the spin um, and your and your health level. When it gets to a certain point, you know, it'll start flashing grey and you'll get a you'll get a warning sound sort of thing. There are more excellent little touches sort of thing because let's not let's not forget as well from a control system from a control perspective, everything in this is one joystick, one button, mm. which is astonishing the, the the way this all works sort of thing. So you've got two main modes: there's obviously move and shoot, and then there's the initiating the transfer mode. You can shoot in eight directions while facing any other way. You just tap the joystick in a way and fire sort of thing. So you've got eight way eight way shooting. You can initiate the transfer by stopping moving sort of thing and holding down the fire button and keeping it held down puts you into transfer mode which, as uh, Graham alluded to takes you to this mini game where you can try and take over the droid the mini game in itself is a, just a you know is a, is fun and an incredible it's tense it's fast mm. it, it's strategic it's you know if you're really good at it you can jump from a zero zero one quite high quite quickly yep. if you're good at it but you know there is that risk of you getting a, a, a crap draw of the mini game sort of thing and thus it's game over and it's quite easy sort of thing on those bigger levels to be plowing around trying to do a transfer get knocked down to 001 and game over this game is brutal sometimes and your games can end like that yeah which could be really frustrating but the game's just so much fun to play that it's not you just crack you just crack straight back in uh, to my knowledge there are eight dreadnoughts to to complete eight yeah I, I think it was somewhere somewhere in the upper regions yeah so there are eight which is back in pre-saves should we say a hell of a tall order because each ship um and this is the other thing so sort i of think each ship is represented by i think i don't know how many floors there are there's about 15 16 17 yep. something like that off the top of my head something like that um each floor is different color coded color represented and there are different types of droids as well ranging from messenger droids which are E100s to service droids to repair droids all the way up through to the battle droids and, and all these kind of things that go up as you you are equipped with a basic laser but if you take over a droid with you know with a better laser you get to shoot that there are the 7-11s uh, and the disruptor droids that's right um, which you can, go, you, you can go around just going buying buying and just anything on the thing anything on the screen gets hit by your disruptor except to the droids that are disruptor droid they don't get they're not affected by it the little attacks it's like that it's a, it's a it's a genius game. You can pull up terminals dotted around each floor. You can go to them and you can pull up a map of side on map of the ship and a top down view of the uh, layer you're on. And you can put in your head, you can put that side on view with the top down view together and see how that ship is built in 3D. It's a very very clever system that Braybrook has, has devised mm. here. And also as well, you can look at any droids below your ranking. You know, go through and so there's a little graphic representation of the droids, which is they look good thing, but I think is probably the weakest aspect visually thing because they don't you know the C60 visuals thing in 1985 they're, they're droids and they look okay and they're kind of a bit kooky and weird in places you know but it is what it is mm. um 
there's there's just so much in this game and it's so much and as you alluded to it's it's fun it's hard it's challenging but again it can feel very punishing but there are choices you made you run away you, you know yeah. it's it's hard to say there's little great touches like when you clear a floor of droids the lights go out yeah not fully sort of thing but it just goes down to this you get this nice sound effect boom and, and it all power goes grey dark, dark yeah power down dark grey so you know that floor's clear cool we're out of that which is great thing until you get busted you know from and you've got no more lower floors to go to to get something low low powered to try and get back up again and then the panic sets in it's great it's a fantastic fantastic game all, all round there was some for at the time because of you know he was doing the diary for zap and then it came out and got the gold medal accusations of you know is it that good well yes it is and it stood the test of time and that's the true sign that they were spot on with this review absolutely 100 spot on deserves every plaudit it's got and the only thing i would love to see if i'm perfectly honest and it's always been in my head is a really dark 3D reboot thing because the mechanics are so good. It surprises me that there hasn't been one. I mean, I know that there was other variants of this game on the other platform, some of the other platforms. I think there was an Amiga version, and I th- I'm pretty sure there's been other versions. Was it Quasitron? Was it Quasitron on the Spectrum? Was that a sort of 3D isometric version of this? Mm, could be. You'd have to. Uh, by be Steve something. Turner at Houston, possibly. It was Quite very possibly. similar. Yeah, it could easy be. It's not not a game. I'm I'm not familiar with a lot of Spectrum titles, but that's something that we could certainly look at and see. It's it was it was not without its influence in many 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 ways really this game I think what it did is present the polish that the new layer of polish a bit like we talked about with Exploding Fist it represented a polish and a sheen that games you know if you're going to release games now there's a standard there's a benchmark standard appearing where these games are going to be really good they've got really great graphics they've been really well designed really well thought out and they've got great accommodating gameplay multiple options and and all that kind of stuff and so these new benchmark games are appearing and they start to appear more and more we've had it with summer games too and we've had it with Exploding Fist we've got it with this one there's a number of titles that we've spoken about where there's an escalation of that game quality and this is by no exception certainly streets ahead of a lot of the other games around at that time and I think because it had a really great central core game idea which let's face it and when you've got that um, you can put the wrappings on all of that but at its core this game is such a great idea um, Mm -hmm. and it's such fun to play that um, I mean even when I was replaying it for this podcast and I have to say I I mean I had a a lot of fun doing that I was on it for way longer than I thought I would have been even back back, you know revisiting it I was straight back into it it didn't take me any time to get back into the space it's such an easy game to pick up and the only thing I did forget about was when I took over some of the more powerful droids of course you can only hold them for a certain amount of time you can't just sit in a you can't sit in a level 800 droid forever you uh you can only be in there for a certain amount of time i completely forgot about that which led to a very unfortunate death <laughs> uh, but you know i took the risk it was my risk to take i took it i forgot about that next time i play it, i'd be very wary of making sure that i jumped into a lower robot just to make sure i can you know jump jump around a bit but what a game what a great game and let's not forget thing just to wrap up because one person yeah, one person incredible. one person did everything did everything all the code all the visuals all the sounds and and i like really like the sounds because he's got uh, that's the thing that you know this is not your Hubbard soundtrack it's not your Galway soundtrack this is bleeps and bloops yep um, and as he says I think he said in one of the diary entries um, in Zap he said he, he came up with it sort of thing because he wanted it to make it sound like robots talking to each other yeah which is perfect Perfect. it's that and I think that's the thing that really works for this game is that everything is in service to that core idea you know there's not one part of it that you go oh that don't work or that's a bit added on something everything is there the terminal so you can see everything out you can see the map the you know where to go and you know repower up the only thing is i don't think it needed a score i think that's the only weird thing i think it would have been better because it's not it's not an arcade game it doesn't need a score it's just one of those little things i think playing it now and the score is kind of and you lose score when you go and repower where you you know you you go uh, go repower which is fair enough but that just felt 
I don't know. It felt like a games need to have a score, and that was kind of a bit of a prevalent thing back then. This kind of still sort of you know its arcadiness was still a little bit there, and I think you could just check that out. And I think this game would be something uh, but, to, uh, to, uh, to uh, having the pages of Zap, though, wasn't it? Because they they had that score yeah, section yeah, in there, didn't they? They had. And I think I think that's you know what it was, but to to me this is a you know a, a, a flawless piece of C sixty four software. It is one Absolutely. of it's one of the the, the crown jewels for me. It's what one a of them. bargain! It's, what a bargain it is for the price seven, as well. Seven ninety five. Just a, it's just a bargain. Yeah, there we go. Paradroid. Um, we love it. Yeah, <laughs> we still, still love do. it. We still loved love it then. It. We love it now. Absolutely. Well done. Well done, Andrew. Well yeah, done. well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good game, good game. Well done, yeah. Andrew. Well done. I don't think I don't think we can be too much more effusive. No, no. Go play it. That's all I'd say is get get yourself an emulator or a C sixty four or whichever you choose to do do it on. However you choose to do it, get a copy of that game by hook or crook and play it. Because if you don't trust my word or Aidy's word for it, just trust yourself. And when you play it, you'll love it because it is great. Which might not be the case with our next game. So, from Paradroid, uh, we move to Isometric Fantasy. It sounds like an album uh, by Genesis. I was going to say, yeah, this is an album by Peter Gabriel, I would imagine. Yeah, Peter (laughs) Peter Gabriel, Genesis, yeah. (laughs) Welcome to our new album. This is the first track of it. It's called Isometric Fantasy. (laughs) No, not that, Phil, Phil. I see you from a corner of a room looking down. (laughs) And the angles... Do I live? <laughs> anyway, uh, we're talking about wizardry, <laughs> not uh, Genesis. Wizardry is our next game. So what can we say about wizardry? Let's have a look. When wizardry first boots up, it's got some quite nice music, you think? This is all right. You know, moving along at pretty beat. It's a nice bit of tune there sort of thing. Um, it leads you to expect good things. So wizardry is like it's an isometric fantasy game which sees you wandering brown corridors fighting floating skulls and minotaurs and trying to solve puzzles, finding things in chess um, and making your way through uh, an isometric fantasy world. So far, so yeah, it could be all right sort of thing, but there are some issues uh, with this game, most of which come down to the combat, which is dog awful. You can cast spells, but spells are finite. So if you cast a fireball spell, that's it, it's gone. You only have a finite resource for them sort of thing. But what you do have is a sword. And you would think, great, a sword. So when anything comes at you, you can have a have a blast with your sword. Except the way that the sword works is you have to hold down the fireball and then waggle madly left to right and hope that you put more hits on the opponent than they hit on you. And it doesn't always work and it's rubbish I didn't like it um, because it, it, there's no skill there's, there's, it just takes it all away from you even and, and it's really really finicky in its movement as I said it's isometric so you've got you know you move up to move sort of top right or move up to move sort of top left I can't remember which up and left or up and right and right yeah. it's broke my head slightly because it didn't wasn't quite the way I was thinking it should, should be I mean visually it's kind of alright apart from the huge seismic glitch at the bottom of the screen which is you know not something you'd expect to see at this stage in the C64's life that's really not a, a nice thing to sort of it kind of it just you know it drags you out of the, the, the scene sort of thing which is a bit of a shame um, because you know the visuals are alright although you don't look much like a knight and more like a spaceman as the colour scheme is a bit weird um, and the minotaurs are kind of are, are they mere minotaurs because they kind of have floaty fish bottom halves I don't know what they were I don't, I don't even want to know what the cross between a minotaur and a fish would be 
brilliant. I don't, I don't know. And then there was the floating skulls, there was the spiders. And, and, and if you get the manual of this game, it actually talks you through the opening sequences. So I did that. I found the knock spell, went back and cast the knock spell on the big head and nothing happened. So I was, I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. It's way too obtuse. It's too finicky. I don't like the music great very quickly. Mm. Um, and, and I didn't like the different types of music for different creatures. They were, they were, it was kind of got annoying quickly. And yeah, I, I don't. I remember wanting to like this back at the time because as I've said before, I like my fantasy stuff. I like my Lord of the Rings. This seemed like it could be quite down that alley sort of thing, but there's too much in the way of you enjoying it to enjoy it. I don't know how else to say it, really. Mm. What did you think? Did you get on with it? Well, it's one of those games where, in your mind, Wizardry is a great game. If In your mind's eye, it's a great game. And I think it's because it's driven by that initial sense of the music that you'll have in the back of your mind. Because that initial piece of music is famously catchy for the C64. It's one. It's for some reason that yet I've yet to really identify. It just seems to resonate with everybody. Everyone seems to have a, a liking for that kind of twee. You know, everyone remembers it for some reason. So, so when the game actually starts and you press the space bar to start, the problems begin. So aside from its horrible controls... And bear in mind, this isn't just joystick control. This is joystick, keyboard, fire button. It's all over the place. You have to press a button to go through doors. You've got to press one and two in the keyboard oh, yeah. to select Ugh. your spells. You, it's just not, it's not been created by someone that's ever used a joystick or played the game, I don't think. So it had this kind of, it's it's kind of strange feeling because you really want it to be good. <laughs> you really, for some reason, you really want Wizardry to be a lot better than it is. And when you Just actually to say, get down I, to it, I, I've, it's not. I've actually written that. I've actually, I've always wanted to like this, but never got there. That's yeah, the, uh, and I think it's because I've, it's, I've that. it's because it feels impenetrable. So even getting through the initial door is a, is a hassle and there's nothing actually attacking you at that point. But when you get to the next <laughs> screen, an impending danger comes, whether it's the spider or the skull or the manator or or the floaty zappy lightning cloud thing or whatever um, when you're wandering around uh, all the various hallways which all look kind of the same even if they've changed the t- colour scheme it's just the same old same old um, you get tired of it very quickly because it's the puzzles in it are just about impenetrable they're not it's not immediately obvious what it is that you're actually meant to do and it's not clear whether it's even worked if you've done it. So, yes, that's, yeah. So you yeah. have this system of spells that you can get hints from, which actually don't help you in the slightest, really. So much so are the puzzles impenetrable that in the instruction manual for this game, it actually tells you how to get past the first puzzle in mm-hmm. case you don't know. And I think that's a, actually a, quite a tell, telling thing with this game is that it's, it's a puzzle game wrapped in this isometric packaging and all, all of those things. And it has the trappings of something that could have been really great, but just misses the mark on almost every level. Bad controls, glitchy screen, poor graphics. They're not really representative of the idea that you are an apprentice wizard called Drin, having to find the last <laughs> elemental and cast a spell on them in order to become the ultimate wizard. Uh, and, and you have to escape from the uh, castle of illusion, it's called. All of that. It's kind of lost because when it starts up and you get past that that repetitive music, there's not much to it. And so, like exactly as you described, it's just a, a long exercise of more disappointment after more disappointment. And no matter how twee and earwormy you make the music, it is never going to be able to make up for the fact that this game is boring and hard to control <laughs> and the puzzles are annoying. And if I ever spend any more time in my life trapped in that stupid room in Wizardry where you can't get out, I swear I've switched off Wizardry more times than any other game because of that room. And I found myself in there again. I don't even know how I got in there. <laughs> so I was trapped and it kept saying, look to the map and it was there was, there was no help in the guide. I, all I had was fireballs and I didn't, there didn't seem to be any way out of that room in the 
end, I thought, do you know what? There's a reason why I didn't like you in the first place, and this is it, because you are mm-hmm. all mouth and no action, this game. It's all it's all in the packaging. And even the, even the instructions for this game were written in kind of a, a cocky, kind of clever, our game's great. We've hired musicians to really make this game feel great. And, and it, But then in the first instance, they have to explain how, how to get past the first monster in case you don't know how to, which, by the way, you won't know how to. So it's no, no guessing game there. You won't know how to do it. You'll need those instructions. So for me, Wizardry is, as it was in the beginning and has always been, a dull snooze with a reasonably good catchy soundtrack that after a while will make you want to uh, pull your ears off. There's a there's a good there's a good game here. If you the the one thing I because this reminded me in a slightly a little bit in a sense of Entombed because you know it's a you, you're wandering around in a yeah you know, it's very you're wandering around corridors and stuff like that. But whereas the thing I got annoyed with was Entombed was the constantly respawning enemies. The thing I liked about this is like okay you have fixed encounters that's okay. But Entombed had, you know, you had the whip and it was a bit more, it was a bit faster and a bit chunkier and everything like that. You, you marry these two sort of ideas together and you've actually got probably a decent game because Entombed mm. has, you know, decent puzzles, decent visuals, looks nice sort of thing. And you take Wizardry's, like, maybe spell system and, you know, sense of loneliness, um, which is there. Or it, although you take out that music sort of thing to sort of create a bit more atmosphere because the music's mm. too twee. Yeah, you know, I, want, I, I want to feel a bit of dread you it's know. almost compare saying the words with, hey nonny nonny in that music isn't it, it's, it <laughs> compare this with the soundtrack to because like you said a lot of people like it but compare this to the soundtrack to something like Master of Magic you know a similar type of thing Master of Magic's soundtrack creates great, a great atmosphere this creates none of that no. um, and so two graphical adventures like Entombed and Wizardry sort of thing for me both have issues in, in different areas and if you take the good parts out of them maybe you have a really cracking game. It's just that, unfortunately, they're in two games and there's too many annoying parts. Absolutely. Really and the main sprite... either of them. And the main sprite is a mixture of a welder mixed with um, <laughs> with a Lego man, isn't it, really? Because it's, yeah. it's not... It's hard to describe. What it isn't is a wizard's apprentice. No, because then definitely the what it isn't. this sort of thing, there was the guy mixing spells, wasn't there, on the table, and he looked like a, a, looked like a wizard. He had a, you know, a robes and a pointy hat, and he looked mm. like a wizard. Yeah. This guy looks, yeah, looks as you rightly say, looks like a welder. Maybe that was his original name, the Welder's Adventure. <laughs> it should be a flash dance. <laughs> Hey, maybe. Yeah, she was a welder, wasn't she? I'd like to see Flashdance with the wizardry music now for some reason. I think that would just be quite in- quite interesting <laughs> well, to watch. Doing it. That dance? Yeah, why well, she does the famous Flashdance, just play the do 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 diddle do do do. And just, in fact, I'm, and that might have to be a mashup that I actually create because uh, I, I have a be. penchant for those sort of things. Anyway, I digress. Not so wizardry, really. Lack of wizardry. There's no wizardry in it. Where's the wizardry? What fi- use is a fireball spell if it doesn't kill your enemy? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The thing with wizardry. That you know, it had been quite bigged up in the previous two issues of the magazine. We'd had a preview, we'd had a cover. Um, there was a lot of big things expected of this, and yet, yeah, no, doesn't deliver, does not. No, it's a great shame. So let's move on. Um, Two, Saucer Attack. Well, <laughs> well, well, Saucer Attack. Now, um, I've got the, the, the surprise here is that I mentioned this to you, Graham, before we started recording, is that um, I actually had two versions of this, which was the 1984 version and the 1985 version. Um, and I'm going to tell him now that I gave him the better version, which is the 1985 version. So con- considering you got the better version, and I played both, um, what, what did you think to Saucer Attack, Graham? So, 
<laughs> this is just rubbish. It's just, it was utter crap. Um, and a waste of, I feel like I've, I, the, uh, I am owed life now back from whoever <laughs> created that. Um, so the game, premise of the game, flying saucers, nice, quite nicely animated and drawn flying saucers. That's my only positive comment here. Um, are hovering around the White House for some reason, uh, like, a, uh-huh. like a pixel drawing of the White House. Um, quite, again, not terrible, but, you know, at the White House. And making woo noises like uh, UFOs do. You've got to shoot them down. There you go. That's it. With the strangest, <laughs> the strangest uh, in-game mechanics I've ever known. Because sometimes when you press your fire button, it will freeze the the target. Your target is on the screen, and it will freeze the UFO in mid-space for some reason, which enables you to shoot it quite easily. Really, other times they don't do that. And I wasn't sure if it was uh, the number of bullets you used meant that the <laughs> UFOs escaped. <laughs> or anyway, the the scoring system was so random. In the end, I I. I failed the game i'm not sure how because i shot every ufo out the sky but the only decent thing in it is the say so the basic animation of this stuff one of the, fl- the flying saucer there's only one type in the whole game and the sound effect of you shooting is kind of a nice filtered kind of a shushy sound everything else in this game is crap how it got published i do not know it's just rubbish and it's just a waste of time and if people paid for that i feel sorry for them to this day i feel sorry for them they should, get, they should still there should be a clause somewhere where if you bought this game you're still entitled to get your money back even now. Yeah. <laughs> it, what's funny about that sort of thing is like you try to make sense of the mechanics and I kind of know what's going on with them. But th- so yeah, the, um, in the 1980, uh, I'll tell you what, in the 1984 version, the bullets are about, your bullets you fire are about a tenth of the speed. Everything else is the same, but the bullets that you fire like go. Oh, <laughs> why? So I don't know. <laughs> so that's why I, I used the 1985 version because obviously that was the, probably the, the one that they reviewed. So there are, it's not a case of, it is crap. I'm not going to beat around the bush here sort of thing. I completely 100% uh, the thing. There are actually, although both sources look the same, they are they actually have two different behaviours. One constantly moves and one stops every now and again. So that's where, so that if you manage to shoot the one that moves, you get more points. If you shoot the one that stops, you get less points. Now, the whole point is that it's as the sources are moving around, the sources score is going up and it's the first to 50 wins. Um, so if you shoot the sources, their score comes down slightly, yours goes up and you've got to shoot them. You've got to get to 50. As it gets closer to 50, they destroy various landmarks in the in the uh, scene, uh, you know, the, the big needle place, the white house roof and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you're talking a, a quite a crap version of Independence Day, really. You're not kidding. Um, <laughs> so that's the whole point. Now, the, one of the main issues with this game, one of the main issues, and, and apart from it being rubbish, this mechanic that as the sources exist, and they constantly exist, because even if you shoot another one spawns immediately, this score is constantly going up. Now, the sources have a tendency to fly off screen. Mm. And as they when they fly off screen, their score is still going up, but you can't get off screen to shoot them. Yep. That's, that's bad. That's a, that's a bad, bad mechanic. That's a bad idea. They should be always on screen so you at least can shoot them. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. It Don't. is a single screen. It is a single screen. Two saucers attack the White House. You try and shoot them to stop it. The bitmap graphics for the White House are quite nice. The sprites are quite nice. That's it. It is unapologetically terrible. It's a Brudderbund game, isn't it? It's one of the first we look at this month. There's I think, I think loads of them in this issue. I think Every the other Bru- game think, was a Brudderbund game. I, I think Brudderbund suddenly just la- launched onto the, the, the scene this, this month sort of thing, because we have a series of Brudderbund games. Um, this, is one of, this is one of the first ones. This is by far one of the worst. Not that the others are particularly much good, um, apart from it one of them. Awful. It angered me, this game. It angered <laughs> me in a way that I don't often get angry at games. Because I was I, very I, tempted I, to give you the 84 version. <laughs> well, I just try and find, I think, you know what? 
this might have been some 14-year-old kid's first game attempt. It might have been that, you know, who knows what the real deal is behind this. Who knows whether Broadburn had some 14-year-old trapped in some kind of mine <laughs> and in order to get out, he had to make this game or a series of games. Who knows how they managed to get this game out from wherever it was uh, written into the public world. We're not going to forgive them for that. Um, it's just awful. It's just awful. Don't and it, you look at this? Look at this issue of Zap. Look at the games that are in it, and look at that, and go, no, no way. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I would, if I was the guy that developed that, I'd be saying to them, "Don't release that game, please. Don't release it. Look, I'm, I'll make a better one." And that's, I guess, that's how the 1985 version came in. But it sounds like he hasn't really improved much from 1984. No. So, to be no. fair, though, sort of thing. If you saw those screenshots, if you saw that White House at the time, you'd think that actually looks all right. Yeah. The, what the, a the, what a miss. Yeah. This is like you know a nice looking pie full of full of turd. It is. It's just. It's just no, it's no, crap. no, it's no, crap. no. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move, move on. on. Just, just, let's just do on. yourselves a favour. Never play it. Let's not even talk about it again. It doesn't <laughs> no, exist anymore. On. Death to saucer um, attack. <laughs> so yes, enough. On to our last game in this section. We have got Av. What am I on about? We have got from Mastertronic. This was more of a Mastertronic one though for me. <laughs> I know. I've been waiting all the time to say that. <laughs> a long, long time. <laughs> 35 years, in fact. It's Master, Master Chronic. Chronic. I can be a Master Chronic. <laughs> anyway, okay, so this is a Book Rogers style into the screen, shootery, World War II, bombery type thing where you shoot stuff coming towards you, Book Rogers game style, and it's not very good. I don't know no. what else to say. You pilot a bomber to blow stuff up. The 3D effect is not bad. However, the flickery, juddery enemy sprites and quite <laughs> turgid controls hold back any kind of enjoyment is what I put in my note you quite often you would die immediately due to flak spawning right in front of you um, and you would have no chance to avoid it so you just die immediately the collision box on your sprite is way too big you know there's no kind of you think oh I'm clear of that dead uh, oh, clearly I wasn't clear of that, but you know, it's yeah. too punishing to be enjoyable because it's too slow to react. I know you're in a bomber, I get that. But if I'm in a bomber, then at least be a bit nicer with the collision box. Yeah. And don't don't punish me. It, to, to be fair, at this point, so I think my last comment on this is, and I don't want to spend too much because it's not particularly great, is if you're gonna do a wartime, if you're gonna do a wartime shooter, go play 1942, because it was in the arcades at this point. Yeah. And that's how you do a wartime shooter. Not like this. No. Um to quote the Matrix, not like this. Not like this. <laughs> Random to, to bring the Matrix into a Hunter Patrol review, but I can dig I it. When I, We're all when batteries, I said not like take this, the blue pill. I, wa- I watched the Matrix the other night sort of thing, and it's uh, what's-her-face, when she goes, oh, not like this. And it just, uh, and I, I imagine sort of thing, she was playing Hunter Patrol. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a bleak version of the Matrix they're in. When the, the Matrix is Hunter Patrol, like, oh, I thought it'd be more realistic than this. I thought the Matrix was supposed to be this powerful simulation. I feel like I'm stuck My in Hunter Patrol. Box is massive. I've been transported to a 1985 Mastertronic game, for goodness sake. This is the worst version of the Matrix yet. Kill it. Destroy it. Zion, get rid of it. When we first created the Matrix, it was too perfect. Then we created a Hunter <laughs> yeah. Patrol version, you know which was even I'm, worse. I'm sensing an Ace Redux as well, where he just he plugs it back in and it's Hunter Patrol. Anyway, that's something else I'm going to have to do. That's three different videos I've got made now. Um, just to give 
give my two pennies worth because that's all it's going to get. Crap. Utter crap. <laughs> uh, annoyed me that when I fired my bullets and moved to the right, they kind of shot off in some weird bendy perspective trick. The, f- the enemy craft, for whatever they could even describe them as that, were kind of buzzing around like flickery wasps. So it felt like mm. it was like a wasp attack simulator, really. <laughs> the scrolling vertical sort of colour bars flying effect, which would be, seems to be the, you know, in order to create flying effect, you must have, you know, nausea-inducing stripy raster-type bars or something like that in any games at the moment. Annoyed me. Laggy, not much fun, really badly drawn sprites. And like you say, the arbitrarily just seem to kill you for no reason, spawn near you and kill you instantly. Even the Rob Hubbard music in there isn't particularly inspired either. Not his greatest bit of music. So for me, Hunter Patrol is a big fat dog egg and not very good one at that. So (laughs) it can get lost and go back to the version one matrix that you came from. (laughs) Even, yeah, even for two quid. You know, this is, uh, you know, this would be subpar. Well, we've said before and I'll say it again as much as Mastertronic did some great games for two quid they also did some real stinkers and this is one of them yeah this one stinks to hate when you opened the cassette for this a dog shit fell out and it landed (laughs) and you had to squeeze that into your tape deck and load it in and pretend you were happy with it this is a birthday gift that you would have hated so you know your your brother bought you this for your sister bought this for your birthday as a a present because they didn't know a lot about games and it was two quid and you loaded it up and you you had to yeah and you you had to you had to pretend it was oh this is great yeah it's really great as you as you reach for the off switch going I'm, I'm gonna I'm turn this off and keep it for best I'm gonna keep this one for best don't wanna don't wanna play that in the tape play too much it could wear out <laughs> crap what's a crap get rid no more All no right. more of these let's, let's move on that's our that's our first section of games clearly the standout is Paradroid um, yes. and, to the, and the curio that is little computer people yeah, so, they uh, make up for the fact that these other ones are utter utter rubbish yeah to be to be fair sort of thing I, I think about 90% of my gaming time of these four was Paradroid and then I just <laughs> yeah. t- turned the rest off I have to say I felt that my Paradroid to other games ratio was a little bit off uh, yeah but during maybe, that you first know, phase but maybe I should have played these first before getting to Paradroid because it's you know it's like in the uh, dessert first before you have a really rubbish dinner <laughs> it is yeah yeah but you, it would spoil it for you because you'd think wow paradroid you know actually it might be like relief but you might have actually <laughs> but the, i think in succession if you play those two quickly too much in two short space of time it would put you off playing any games for at least at least a day because your Absolutely. brain wouldn't be able to recover from the stroboscopic nightmare that is hunter patrol <laughs> for long enough so yeah not like this not no, like this not like this no version <laughs> one matrix get lost reset reset button <laughs> so let's move on right that's uh, that's the games for part one paradroid yes wizardry nah Source Attack, no. Hunter Patrol, no. We'll come back in a moment where we will talk about uh, the music in November 1985. So stay tuned for that. All right, welcome back. We are looking at the music in November 85. There is quite a lot here uh, to sort of go through, so we'll see what we have to say about these things. Uh, We'll start off, as ever, with the number one singles. Um, We spoke about this one muchly last, uh, last episode, and that is The Power of Love from Jennifer Rush. Uh, which was everywhere. We also uh, discussed this one a bit as well because that was removed. The Good Heart came in uh, at number one. Good Heart by Fergal Sharkey. And then the, I don't know, the free boy band Powerhouse of Wham! appeared. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with with I'm Your Man. Yeah, um, good song, whichever way you look at it. Yeah, it's, it's okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah good I, pop yeah, song. I, I've got, yeah, absolutely, good pop song. You know, you can certainly swing from side to side and clap to it, uh, which is my, uh, which <laughs> is my, def, you know, it's my, uh, it's my how I judge a good pop song. Can I sway from side to side and clap? And I'm your, I'm your man. He actually does it during his place. He's like... <laughs> 
See, you can swing from side to side and clap. You can. And to um, be fair, he's got a, he had a great voice. And as for the other guy, Andrew Ridgely, don't know what he sounded like. I don't know. No one does. No one wanted to. He played the guitar or quietly. Did he? <laughs> or quietly. did he? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. All right. So uh, what we got? Number one. Uh, albums. Let's just go through those as well. Love Songs by George Benson is back in. Good old George Benson. I've put a, a YouTube link in our notes for you to look at later so I, you can You can feel the smoothness of George Benson's <laughs> delivery because he's a proper is smooth it, singer. Oh, yeah. I know nothing about George Benson. Is it Barry White-esque? Yes, very much so. Right, okay, very enough. Don't think so. It's a, oh, yeah. Yeah, very it's much that, so. Sort of okay. Um, then we had uh, Promise by Sade. Ah, very good. Uh, yeah, good album, that. Yeah, I was never a Sade fan. Yeah, I quite like Sade. Sophisto pop. Nah. 80s Sophisto pop, you got to love it. <laughs> I was not sophisticated in any way, shape or form, oh, so it was far wouldn't, too, wouldn't far too to be. for me. Yeah, I wouldn't profess um, to be sophisticated at the time. Uh, for me, it would have been, what, who is this Sade? What's this about, this were... Sade? But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, What's she promising? <laughs> but nowadays, uh, you know, if you want in a bit of background music, Sade isn't a bad a go two person still recording to this um, day I, well not what, continuously album? yeah continuously <laughs> yeah. she's never she, stopped she can't she can't be stopped yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, how is she keeping that note <laughs> <laughs> Turn it off. Um, right. What have we got? Uh, the last album, which replaced Shade. We spoke about these uh, um, a few episodes back because uh, this is the greatest hits of 1985. Uh, various artists. So this is another hits album or whatever it is. So this is your uh, compilation of, you know, I couldn't be bothered to buy the singles. So I just get them all in one lump. Yeah, exactly. Um, a, a, a knockoff, a knockoff now, now album. That's it. It's just loads, loads of singles. I'm not going to look at what was on there. You don't probably... need to because they're all the ones that we've talked about. <laughs> exactly. So okay. there you go. New singles. So we got some new new singles in here. Um, what a mix. One of them is, uh, one of them is, uh, is one of them's a stand. One one of them will um, stand out from the rest. One of these is not like the others. <laughs> not <laughs> I think it's right to say. So. Um, we built this city from Starship. That's not the one that's not like the others. Uh, came in at number 80 on the 3rd of November. So, uh, I bet that got higher you know, once it once it, that was. I in, imagine uh, that must yeah. have climbed because that's a Stone Cold classic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, nowadays. Um, I, don't think it was, I don't think Starship were very appreciated at the time because they were a mishmash of, uh, of well, different thingy, people. Weren't they, weren't from, they? It, was, it was Jefferson well, Starship, Jefferson. wasn't it? And then one of them left, um, I think. And, Jefferson uh, Airplane, Jefferson Starship, Starship. Yeah, so they, and they I think merged just, the two together in some kind of Starship. It was just the two of them. Yeah, and then so it was the... It was the Female singer from Jefferson Starship, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's a good documentary about them, sort of thing. If you really want to want to sort of see the history no. of the Jefferson Starships and airplanes and whatever, um, which is quite interesting. But hey, oh, um, One Vision from Queen. Okay, yeah. Uh, went in at number nine on the 10th of November. Um, I'm presuming if One Vision's out, and I think this is right, sort of thing. We're in Highlander territory, are we not? Mm, is, is One, one Vision, Vision from? Is it from Highlander? Uh, it, it, uh, I don't know. I thought it, that was it's one a kind of magic, wasn't one, it? Time. One, I don't know that one vision is. It might be. I don't. Is I'm not, not sure. No, because I know that who wants to live forever and um, I thought one it's vision kind of magic. Well. Could be, but I, I don't thought, know. I thought it was just re- relating to just one person, one vision. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought this was Highlander rest. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, there's a lot of Queen around that time, sort of thing, which I get confused as to what it is. But aho, in at number seventy four on the tenth of November, and I've seen you put a link here, so I might have to go have a look. Or yes. I put the link. I don't know. You put the link. Uh, we have uh, the track again uh, by Jimmy Tarbuck. The classic. <laughs> I have no idea what this is, but I put this in for your benefit. No one, no one but a big Jimmy Tarbuck fan you oh, are. Oh, yeah. Been an avid follower of the Tarbuck. 
For those who don't know, for our more international listeners, Jimmy Tarbuck was uh, an 80s comedian, a Scouse 80s comedian, a Liverpudlian 80s comedian who was famous for having a gap in his teeth um, and presenting Winner Takes All. Which was, um, was a game show, wasn't he? He was a yeah, Wait, he was essentially a game show, yeah. show host and, a, and he was, a, he was an yeah. entertainer from the kind of the, the sort of um, 70s comedian, 70s vaudeville era, wasn't type he? comedian, wasn't he? Yeah, you know, the sort of on stage, yeah. along with uh, a lot of other comedians of that time. But, um, uh, but I yeah. never knew he had a recording career. Did, well, he, again, he's clearly a very talented guy because he was all over the shop, wasn't he? He did all sorts of stuff. Um, so, yeah, yeah but um, I've not heard of that. And thankfully, I never will again, <laughs> which is ironic, considering <laughs> it's called again. Uh, a week after Starship debuted at number 80 on the 3rd of November, West End Girls from Pet Shop Boys, yeah. number 80. Don't like him, never will. You don't like Pet Shop Boys? No. Oh, man. I like the I like the, uh, the instrumentalists. I like the, the instrumentation. I like the keyboards, the synths. Can't stand the lead singing. Can't stand it at all. Rubbish. Never have liked it. Fair enough. West End Girls is not my favourite. I'm not. I'm a uh, fairly decent Pet Shop Boys fan. I quite like them. West End Girls is one of the. You know, I was a bit. That's a fisto pop. I think sort of thing. Yeah, totally, same kind of totally. and, and, and I just didn't quite get it at the time. And it wasn't until we got stuff like Suburbia Ugh. and and things like that, which you know, cracking tunes, and I, I start getting to them. So is uh, it Neil? Is it Neil Tennant, the nasally drone yeah, yeah. that sings on those? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so there you go. Um, we've already mentioned this. Uh, Wham actually went in straight at number two on the seventeenth of November. They were, later big, went to they were one. big at the time. That's in the eighties. They were massive at this point. Yep. If we're not in Highlander territory, we are definitely in Rocky Four territory. Yep. Uh, because we've got Burning Heart in at number ninety-six from Survivor. Oh, that's such a that's a great track. That is. It is. It is a very very good song, Burning Heart. I have to say, I'm quite. I'm really really looking forward to the point when we get to actually look at Rocky Four. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a, a film that is a film that is more montage than a film. Yes. Um, it is the it is like the um, apotheosis of uh, MTV culture. That yes, film. That song is one of the montages. There's a four, there's four or five in that movie at least. It's, it's just an amazing film, and so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, Burning Hearts Five and Number Ninety Six, and on November twenty sixth. Oh, sorry, November 24th, in at number 26, a first song I'd never heard of, which I sent you in, and I, I think you were quite bemused by as well. Absolutely, yeah, uh, totally. Was the, was the title song from the film Spies Like Us, recorded by Paul McCartney. Just weird, because Spies Like Us was a Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd comedy vehicle. Yeah. It wasn't a very good one, though. It was a bit of a misfire, wasn't it? So... Uh, it's got it's got a couple of big, it's got a couple of decent moments in it, but yeah, it's it's not it's certainly not their best best thing. No. It's a, it, again, sort of thing. It's making hey, hey nuclear war, isn't that funny? Well, they paired them up a lot after Caddyshack because Caddyshack was actually a surprise hit because that had a lot of the Saturday Night Live characters in. Um, so it had Dan Aykroyd in that. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd plays. He's in sorry, he's in Caddyshack too, but he's in. Oh, right. uh, but he's also in um, another couple of films, sort of wacky comedies around that time. And Chevy Chase was they're all yeah. of the same Saturday Night Live ilk. And... Yeah, sort of means so they were all kind of floating about doing these and so it was let's pair up you know this comedian with that comedian it'll be hilarious Bill Murray did loads of stuff like that didn't he with Stripes and stuff like that and yes yeah, know, there's yeah, quite yeah. a few of them came stripes out is, yeah Stripes is funny though um, it's funnier than this, you know. It's just, yeah, <clears throat> there's a couple of good moments to spies like this, but it's it's not the best. And I certainly do not remember the uh, Paul McCartney title track. No, I was a surprise. Uh, when, I listened, when I listened to it, I thought, you know what, maybe I'll listen to it and it'll go, oh, it's that. No, it just went, it's that. I don't know, what is, what is I re- this? I, I remember the Spies Like Us song. I just don't remember it sounding uh, like that on being sung by Paul McCartney. So there you go. No. Dreadful. It was awful. Oop, yep. Albums. Come on, moving through these at a pace. I want to know what kind of a world we live in <laughs> where a ZZ Top album can go straight in at number two. <laughs> 
what was going on in 1985? To be fair, that <laughs> album is actually quite good. ZZ Tapa, no frills, but no, they're actually a, they're actually a good, quite a good no, band. No frills metal. Well, they're like not the metal. Sa- just, but the, just... the, qu- the quick save of rock. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're not, this isn't going to challenge you in any way. They're not. But they, what they do, L- they do little, kind of little rock. They do a kind of a country, a country western vibey kind of mor rock, don't they? They're not challenging anyway, and it's kind of the same song in different formats, really. But it they is, had a look yeah. and feel. The sounds sound like ZZ Top. They've got quite a nice sort of uh, layered I, guitar I sound. Just, I quite like them. I just didn't think that they were that big over here to go straight in at number two. Yeah, big. Well, they had, they had a succession. I don't because I've got a feeling sometimes with certain bands like this, when there's a suspicion that you think, how did they get to the top of the chart because they weren't popular? It makes you wonder if ZZ Top were in a big, well, not them personally, but one of their songs was perhaps off this album was in one of the big films out at that time. And so... Was, was this the album with, uh, is it Gimme All Your Loving or Your uh, Love Kisses? Been, is that ZZ Top? That is ZZ Top. That's I don't know if that's off Afterburner. It could be. You'd have to look at that. I, I, I have no knowledge of uh, ZZ Top whatsoever. So there's another one called Eliminator, I think, and I think that might be on that. I think. Yeah, but I was just quite shocked when I saw that this one in at number two. I was. Yeah, it felt to me like a. This is you know, it's another Matrix gone wrong. Yes. Uh, a week later, <coughs> we spoke about this briefly because the big money came out. Uh, Rush went in at number nine um, on the. Uh, sorry, the same day sort of thing. Rush went in at number nine. And this is the kind of world we live in where Rush are seven points places below <laughs> ZT Top um, <laughs> with Power Windows. So they're they're synth heavy mid eighties sound of Rush. Uh, whether you give up, you know, like them or don't. Sort I think this was a, a really, really good album. Um, I would say that. Hey ho, whatever, you know, whatever. But there's some cracking tunes on this. Uh, that went in at number nine, which Just again as was a, higher as than a I was question. expecting. When they reissue the the versions of this album by Rush, is it Power Windows XP, Power Windows 2000, <laughs> is it Power Windows ME? What are they called? Trick there, they? Yeah, exactly. There could have been a Microsoft tie-in. It would have worked for them. Power, Everyone wins. Power Windows, M- Power Windows ME. <laughs> Never that one. Windows ME was awful. But it could be. Uh, we could have uh, Windows, you know, XP, Windows 8, Power Windows 10, the latest version. Could have been brilliant. They're missing our trick Windows there. Vista. Get get onto the phone with uh, Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could do it. Yeah, uh, same same day. Uh, Aha's "Hunting High and Low" came out. Good album. Um, yeah. I said November at number twenty four. That is a good album. Yeah, I recently bought the vinyl of that. Strange oh. enough. Well, not recently. This was pre-lockdown. It seems recently because time has condensed to <laughs> such an extent, sort of thing. That, that yesterday I was four years old. <laughs> Yes. So it feels. Time has. Um, yes, time yes, is now meaningless. Yeah, yesterday Spies Like Us came out. <laughs> oh, God, no. It felt like that way, sort of thing. But when I actually think about it, it was about two years ago that I bought that. But anyway, Hunting High and Low, good album from Aha. Good, good debut album. Mm. Uh, very good. Straight in at number one on the back of. Told uh, she was popular. You know, was, was, was Sade. We spoke about her, sort of thing. We just said it was a new release, but straight in at number one. Well, it's, it's still going. Straight in. <laughs> it's never left. <laughs> it's it's she, never ended. Sade <laughs> cannot be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> No one wants to. Sade, stop She's singing. actually got a really great voice, Sade, as well. No, no, really, really good. I'm, I'm not, you know... I don't want to feel like we're mocking uh, her unnecessarily. No, no, no. It's, it's just, it's not, a, it's not a type of music for me. Uh, no. And that's 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 where I am with it, sort of thing. I know, I can appreciate the fact that she's no. got a, you know, we a, see, lo- a lovely We see voice. where your allegiances lie. You dive from the Pet Shop Boys to Rush to um, some other crazy Suzanne stuff Vega. in there. Suzanne Vega. And all the way up to uh, Starship. <laughs> <laughs> So, Absolutely. Eclectic is the word. Eclectic. <laughs> yes. But uh, I'll have none of Sade. No. None of it. You can stop singing. 
Um, <laughs> one for you. I think you like these, don't you? Um, there was the Chronicle of Black Sword. On, uh, came in at number 65 on the 10th of November from Hawkwind. I'm not a big Hawkwind <laughs> follower, I have to say. Um, Am I getting these mixed up with um, uh, Jethro Tull? Uh, no, I, possibly. I don't like either. I'm not a fan of the kind of the sort of, uh, you know, I draw the line at some of these uh, some of these big proggy bands. So uh, I'll stick with my King Crimson if I'm going to listen to any yeah. of those stuff because it's just, yeah. uh, if you're going to go hog wild and you know, listen to crazy <laughs> lyrics of stuff, then just do them and they, they do it better than anybody. Um, yeah. and, and types, Classic- time signatures that no human can actually do on a drum kit so I, w- I want to know sort of thing with that title album sort of thing the chronicle of black sword is it's missing a the um so who is black sword yeah it's is a that, person right that, yeah i guess so and uh or because it's obviously not a the black sword well i'm thinking it's, it's, it's black a, it, sword it's an 80s prog rock type band album cover so i'm thinking black sword might be is uh is wang so the front cover <laughs> of the album is just going to be a guy with an enormous wang <laughs> And that's the tales of him. He's got his hawk wind out. <laughs> it's hawk wang. <laughs> hawk wang. <laughs> Behold, the chronicle of my black soul. <laughs> oh, there you hawk go. Check out hawk wang. Yeah. A week later, Echo and the Bunnymen, uh, straight at number six with songs to learn and sing. Uh, I'd rather not. I bet they're chirpy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not learn and sing Echo. I was never a big Bunnymen fan. Were you? No. Kind of, I think I, they think that, that a, bit, a bit of that post-punky type stuff skipped me. Um, I don't know sure yeah. where Echo and the Bunny Man live. Are they post-punk? Are they kind of pre gothy Are they in that cuspy area where it's sort of, I don't know. I didn't yeah. really get my only thing. I, the only reason they're on my radar at all is because of... Uh, um, the Lost Boys? Lost Boys, yeah, in that version of People Are Strange, that by the, you know, which which they did instead of The Doors, but they sang it exactly like The Doors sing it. So is that a cover or is that an imitation? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's the only time I've ever really come across them. Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 of those kind of bands in that kind of period sort of thing I, I probably you know I always thought I should like Echo and the Bunnymen but uh, I don't no. anyway there you go and just to round this off um, again one of these is not like the other um, <laughs> this last title was I Love a Party which came out on the 17th of November went in at number 56 by the uh, by Russ Abbott why do I have a feeling that that's actually just a manifesto because <laughs> uh, he, he always sang stuff about parties <laughs> and uh, well, it, you know he liked atmosphere. a good party he liked a good atmosphere <laughs> He likes all of those things, didn't he? A guy that made his inti- more or less his entire career by impersonating other comedians. So uh, he, he did, yeah. So, but uh, you know, God say we've had Jimmy Tarbuck and Russ Abbott release songs and albums in the same month. If it had been me, and we had, if I had control of a TV station, and these two guys were still around, I'd make them fight to the death live on TV because that'd be <laughs> that'd be worth watching. <laughs> I bet 20 quailus on the, on Tarbuck. <laughs> Tarby's going to win a, a battle, a battle royale between Russ Abbott. No matter because Russ Abbott was an impressionist, really, at his heart, wasn't he? He did was, Tommy yeah. Cooper reckon... in a Superman suit, and he did uh, a James Bond impersonation in a scuba diving suit, and he did he just, and he did Frank Spencer in a probably in a milkman suit. I think he just did impersonations of people in specialist suits by the by the thinking about it. I don't remember him doing a lot of other stuff, and he also he seemed to do a lot of shwadiwadi type things. He had Co- was it Cooperman as well instead of Superman? Yeah, that's what I mean. So he did Tommy Cooper in a Superman suit, Kent's Cooperman, and he did yeah. uh, Basildon Bond instead of James Bond, and he oh, had, you know, it, and that's yes. all that yes, sort of did. stuff. Awfulness. But my money would be on Tarby sort of things. I think Tarby would fight dirty. Well, he can emit a shrieking whistle through that gap in his teeth so loud that <laughs> pigeons set on fire. That's his special like weapon. The, is that like the Shadmock? <laughs> yeah, exactly. the he is a Shadmock. He is, he is a Shadmock. He's the last living Shadmock. Um, Jimmy Tarby. Now there's a reference. Jimmy, you know Jimmy, Sh- Jimmy Shadmock. 
Shadmock. Jim, Jimmy Shadmock Tarbot. Um, the last living Shadmock. And for those, for those people who are listening to this thinking, what are they talking about, which is everybody right now, um, you have to go and seek out a film called The Monster Club, look for the monster lineage. I tell you what, I've actually got a poster of that monster lineage. I'll stick it in the website so you can see what we're talking about. See if you think that Jimmy Tarbock is a Shadmock. And also, by the way, you can have fun with your friends by seeing which kind of monster you look like. <laughs> Just to make it more fun. Absolutely. Fun for all the family. In these lo- are in these you a Shadmock? Ta- you probably are. <laughs> in these lockdown times, you've got to get your amusement where you can. Which monster are you? Go and watch The Monster Club. Just to watch watch that film. Anyway, you should. You should watch that. Are or a hume goo. Hume goo or a wavamp. A wavamp. Um, yep. Let's oh, don't so there get you me go. started on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. We'll end there. Um, so music in uh, November 85 was an eclectic set of mix. Uh, tracks and weirdness and heavy metal and pro- and prog rock and power rock and ting bands and the smoothness of shadow could not be stopped. And What a time to be uh, alive. All, all kinds of crazy stuff. And you could listen to all those on the Hits album. So there you go. That's your music for 1985. Not much else to say about that. So we'll be back in a moment with the second part of our games for this issue. Welcome back. We've got some more games to look at now. Four, in fact, before we wrap up this part. And the first of those games, another big game, um, and that well, another big games, should we say? This is Winter Games from Epics, uh, another high-scoring one, and probably rightly so. Winter Games is I don't know, is it the follow-up? I guess you call it the follow-up to Summer Games Two. It is the next indie game series, um, hot on the heels of Summer Games, Summer Games Two. In fact, really hot on the heels, isn't it? What was it? only about two or three months ago? We had Summer Games Two. Makes Ridiculous. you wonder if they've made them all in a big row. Yeah, craziness, sort of thing. So this is uh, Winter Games. So we've moved on from the heady heights of Los Angeles, 1984. Sort of thing to wherever the winter games were held is it sarajevo or something i don't know i know they've been around somewhere they were they were held somewhere um and we are now in this snowy snowy backdrop for a series of events based around cold sports shall we say so, winter sports winter sports yeah winter games you might always say <laughs> games that you um, play in winter um i, I did another uh, nerdy bit and recorded all my scores for these so you have there's there are only seven this is i'm going to start with the the, the, the downside slightly i think of, of this um of this release sort of thing because one of the things that did stick out to me sort of thing was this when you first start this up you apart from it saying winter games on the logo and having a slightly different animated man and a bit a slightly different bitmap this feels very summer games too and mm. summer games this is clearly in that lineage. It starts off with a guy running on. Not quite as well animated guy, I thought, this time. He's quite yeah, a bit jerky, spongy. I thought. Yeah, it's <laughs> a bit weird, any sort of thing. He's in, a, he's in some kind of thermal suit. Uh, yeah. Maybe that was affecting his animation. Um, <laughs> because he he, he he bounds on something and lights the thing and then doves fly away something. But I'm not, do they have doves at the Winter Games? I thought they will free. But anyway, doves fly away. So that's that. It's very, very Summer Games too. And at this point, you're thinking, okay, maybe it's... Summer. And then the menu comes on and it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly, apart from being able to introduce summer games events the only thing that's missing at the bottom you can watch the opening ceremony again but there's no closing ceremony which I thought was weird mm. you know you get the nice closing ceremony in summer games too it's that nice wrap up there isn't one in this which no, is a bit never of a let down. they're still going <laughs> still going and Sade's still singing at them yeah um <laughs> So, you know, these these little touches, and this to me points to a release that may have been slightly a bit rushed. You know, there's some Mm. elements slightly missing. There's only seven events, like there were eight. And let's face it, two of them are the same. (laughs) So, and I'm not knocking the quality here or anything like that sort of thing. What I'm saying is these, let's get the downsides out of the thing. And there are some down points to this. To me, this isn't as good as Summer Games 2, but it's still 
head and shoulders pretty much above everything else apart you know that's getting released around this time sort of thing this is still another another great great game we have like I said, we have seven events, um, and they are, uh, again, another eclectic bunch of games, uh, events. We have the hot dog, which is, you know, you go down a small slope and launch yourself off and do some yeah, tricks on stunt skis. Stunt skis, yeah. Stunt skis, yeah. We have the biathlon, which is go across country with a gun and shoot targets um, across three screens. You go up, you go uphill, you go downhill, you have to load and reload and shoot targets. That's that quite good. Then you have figure skating, which took me going hunting the actual controls for before I could actually do anything with it sort of thing. So figure skating, you have to do seven seven maneuvers and, and you go along you skate and you're very very nicely very very nicely animated figure skater does her stuff and you jump around and you do some lutzes and triple axles and spins and all kinds of stuff like that uh you then have the ski jump which is uh, very nice you go down the ski jump you fly off the end and you have to sort of combat move your joystick move the joystick in a, in a way to sort of combat the different effects that the wind is having on you mm-hmm. as you sail through the air and then land nicely speed skating which is essentially rowing from summer games 2 it's just mm. with speed skaters instead. Uh, we then have freestyle skating, which is just figure skating, but you can do what you want, and it's mm. and it's a minute longer. Um, and then the last one is bobsled, where you race down a bobsled in a nice sort of small 3D effect and you track sort of thing, and you have to steer into the corners and get down as fast as you can. That's it. That's your Winter Games. All the events, same with Summer Games 2, are fun to play. Probably more some more so than others. I always like the ski jump. That's one of my favorites. Speed skating, again, is, is good fun because it's the same as rowing. Uh, the biathlon can take a little bit of time. It's all right. Um, it's a, it's a really really good series of games. You know, let's let's face it. Graphically, this is again probably graphically. I'd say this is a bit of a, maybe a step up in especially in its backdrops from Summer Games too. Mm. Backdrops are a great sort of thing. They're really really nice bitmap visuals. Sort of lots of nice snowy mountains and some great animations in places. It just feels to me that this they wanted this out for the winter, and yeah. I think it, it just just lacks that polish that Summer Games Two had. Mm. There's there's a, there's a the, Summer Games Two has a sense of fluidity and smooth and polish and everything seems spot on this coming so quickly on the back of it feels like they were up against it to try and get it out i mean like i said you've got essentially you've got two events which are the same you've got a, you know an event less than summer games 2 there's no closing ceremonies the animation in the intro ceremonies is a bit different it's it feels that and i feel like i'm like feel like i'm p- pernickety sort of thing i'm being you know a bit bit down on this but compared to summer games 2 it's not as good it's still fun there are still some great events in this and everything about it is still way above everything else but in comparison to good as summer games 2 it's not that's that's my take on it i enjoyed playing it don't get me wrong i love playing it it's a really great game it shows what the c64 could do again in capable hands and epics at this point you know are, on, are still on fire they're making a great series of games this to me is is, is a dip before we come back i think the next one is world games i think mm-hmm. which pr- brings the series back up I think World Games is, a, is phenomenal, and hopefully I'll still think that when we come to play it again. But this is a slight bit of dip, and I think it, it just suffers from maybe feeling a little bit rushed. I don't know. What, what was your take on it? What did you think? Um, I love, I've always liked Winter Games. It's Is it as good as Summer Games 2, as you say? I don't think it is. Lacks the kind of uh, freshness and brightness of that game. It all feels a bit wintry, I suppose. I like the sports in there. Hot Dog is good fun. Biathlon feels a bit like a drag, but it's all right. Figures both the ice skating's are a bit, I think they're the worst ones in it. They're both quite dull. The ski jump's fun. The bobsleigh's fun. Speed skating's are kind of meh. It's just not, the events are good. They're just not quite as fun as perhaps they are in, in uh, Summer Games 2. They certainly, they, they do develop this theme in World Games and California Games later, so it, it gets a lot better after this. I think it's it's good. It's just not as good as Summer Games 2. So it seems to be, like you say, it seems to be missing a little bit of the magic from that. I don't quite know why. But that said, 
it's still good. It's still, you know, really playable. And I still had a lot of fun. Certain events, it's weird. When certain events are really good in there. So the ski jump was really great fun to play. And of course, with all of these games, you can just play and practice the individual events. You don't have to go through them all. And you can just, so the, practicing the bobsleigh, practicing the uh, ski jump on the hot dog, they were really great. There was always great fun events in this. They were always good little mini games in their own right. The others I could, you know, give or take. I'm not overly bothered about them. So um, I spent quite a bit of time on the bobsleigh. I've always found that quite good fun. Um, mm. It was shorter than I remembered the track on the bobsleigh, which is odd. I thought I was interested in one for ages, but it was a lot shorter than I thought. Um, but still, yeah. So it's about seven turns, isn't it? It's just about yeah, it's, seven it's, or it's eight just, turns. It, I just remember it being way longer than thinking. Oh god, it's going to take me hours to go down there, and it's actually not that bad. So yeah, it's another good epic sports game. It's just not their best epic sports game, but for them, even not as good as the others, means it's actually really good fun and it's good value. You're getting actually getting loads of games for your money here, really. So yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, you have eight people playing this or four or two or three or four whatever sort of thing and you're gonna have a great time with it there's no no two ways around it because trying you know trying to do better on the ski jump trying to you know do better on the speed skating trying to do better on the hot dog those you know you get three attempts at it there's some 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 excellent stuff here you know if you've got two people going at each other going against each other on the speed skating that's going to be fun the bobsled is, is quick and fast um and trying to shave you know microseconds off that is always a an enjoyable mm. challenge sort of thing of trying to sort of get, get as fast as you could going down it but yeah it just I'm not knocking because visually visually it's great you mm. know sounds race I love and I've always loved the the music to the ski jump um, mm. that's a great great piece of music even though it's short it's just got a great piece of feel to it there's, there's lots of and the uh, weird the weird uh, guitar-y type music to the hot dog Mm. Um, that now 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 that sort of yeah, odd good. sort of yeah. it's some great great tunes in it and some you know even the sort of classical pieces with the uh, the the skating are nicely done mm. everything's polished and nice it just whether this is a bit rushed I don't know sort of thing could it have done with maybe another two or three months in the oven I possibly I think I think if you if you had summer games too and you wanted to play a summer and a winter games as a set of games as a series of playing all through the summer and yeah, then yeah. the winter events you've got loads to go out here and for the money you've paid you've got in loads of loads of value oh, so yeah, yeah. you could just I, play you know you could have a day of playing olympic games with them couldn't you yeah absolutely you, you could 100 do that but i'm not knocking that I, you know you, you come you're comparing this to you know you can't compare an ace game to an amazing game um i think that's the thing in it you're comparing something that is really good to something that is outstanding well it's the whole it's it's their you know it's their bar that you're you're, you're comparing them against i don't think you compare them against like other sports games it's, it's epic's is bar well, they've set it it is but i think also this game lacks a little bit of the celeb celebration that you get in yeah summer games it lacks the kind of audience in the background cheering you on because even during some of the events the bobsleigh doesn't really have much of that this you know there's there's little hints of it but it's not just just doesn't feel quite as big and celebratory and as big an event as the summer games does it just feels like these are a little bit more i suppose it is kind of a a, a games offshoot i don't know but you're right maybe another couple of months might have seen it with a bit more a couple one more event and a bit more sparkle lord knows what that event might have been hopefully not uh curling <laughs> oh, i don't love curling what else do they do uh the winter games i don't know oh, the Ski- I, mean, you, you, I mean i'm surprised there's no skiing i have to say that does seem strangely missing out of this where you've got because two you- f- figure skatings and no skiing i wonder if that's the event that's missing because there's only seven isn't there and it does feel like it, there's one yeah. missing there because if you think skiing skiing would be essentially the kayak but reversed yeah you could have done it yeah because so- you get the kayak you're going uphill you're going up screen aren't you it's going around mm. the going around the uh the, oh. through the hoop through the gates but skiing's the same sort of thing especially you know 
Is he, is he heading downwards, trying to go around the cage? Well, I can, I can, let's face I can, it, I have seen that. Horace goes skiing has been made at this point. So, <laughs> so if Horace can make, they can make that. They can make this. The Epic Sky's could have made it, right? But oh, I yeah. can say, I wonder if it was just an event, you know, in a, in a rush to get this released before the Christmas period and the snowy period as such. I wonder if That's this was I'm just thinking. a bit, of, yeah. And, and so the because it is missing that skiing event isn't it really if you think about it, it it's the, the big thing about winter games is the kind of slalom skiing right and yeah so, okay yeah I it's think a stranger right. mission yeah um and like i said it's two the two figure skating is just stick an extra stick an extra minute on it and give you a different tune sure. yeah i know that silly stupid event i don't like those events anyway <laughs> they're not the best that's that's what I mean. It's like you need another. You need something with a bit of uh, the rowing. You need the cycling. You're missing the cycling. Well, you're you need missing... something more lively after the biathlon because that's boring. I mean, it's it's okay, but it is quite dull because it's yeah. just left, right, waggle, waggle, and quick waggle, and then shoot, and then waggle, 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 ski, 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 and it's just <laughs> it's it's just not very interesting. So you think after that you need kind of one to be, so ski jump would have been better after that than figure skating where it's just it just feels yeah. like it's it's just not very interesting to look at, is it? But there you go. It feels like a, a skit review this because we do like it we do we're not and we yeah. sat down it but we're not because we had loads of fun with it it's just yeah. like i said I'm, I'm comparing it to the the two meters 50 that they cleared with summer games and this clears maybe two meters 30 yeah yeah it's just not a, it's just jump. not as good as the uh, epic skates epics games of this type that aren't as good as other epic games of this type are still great they're just not as good as each other which is you know because you can only really yeah. compare this to another epics game yeah and what we had before was better but anyway yeah. it's still great yeah. if you want some fun in the snow then winter games is a great way to spend a lot of time because there's a really there's some there's some you know chasing those high scores chasing those good times and those distances and the ski jump what have you will Absolutely. you know trying to trying to get a perfect six in the figure skating that's gonna tax that's gonna tax you i got a perfect one. <laughs> oh dear i got 2.8 uh, i know that was you always great. you always were a good figure skater I was true, sort of thing. I have the lithe, I have the litheness for it. <laughs> and you like wearing short skirts on ice? Yeah, absolutely, sort of thing. It is uh, something I'm not ashamed of. I look great. <laughs> I shave my legs, especially. Only one of them. <laughs> the one I lead with. <laughs> my lead leg is nice and the smooth. I, the one I cut through the air with. <laughs> Let's move on. Winter games, fun. Fun game, but just not as good as summer games too. But still very, very, very much yep. worth your time. Yep, yep. We're going to now move on to stealth. Mm. Graham, tell us about the next Brudderbund game. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> why do I get these? So, uh, you stealth- got paradroid. Stop winning. True. So, stealth is a shoot. Uh, I want. I want. I hesitate to say flying game. It's a ground skimmer game, for want of a better description. So, I'm not sure if you're in an airplane or in what kind of vehicle that is. It's supposed to be an airplane, but it doesn't take off. It just kind of skims the ground. The idea of the game is you're shooting across this. I want. To, I want to say track, but I'm not sure what you'd call it really. But a that same kind of view 
where you've got a, a vehicle at the front of the screen, you move left and right, and it, and then it's some kind of scrolling raster effect to simulate sort of zooming towards something. In this instance, you're flying towards towers, um, where you've got to kill, the, shoot these towers, um, and uh, as you get through the levels, each tower becomes more difficult to shoot. Um, you're in the distance, they're in the distance, so you've got to drive, drive, I say drive, fly, drive, skim your way to the tower. In your way, between you and the tower, various obstacles of different types, which you've got to shoot, and they can get in the way and shoot you and blow you up. You get the idea. So that's the game. You control it by sort of move left and right and shooting uh, and avoiding the enemies, shooting the enemies. I found the enemies, the graphics are okay. They're kind of chunky, blocky, but they're okay. They function. The game's fast. It moves at a pace. My only problem was uh, the enemies were quite hard to see. So they kind of flop about and they're quite difficult in the and way of driving, skimming. is hard to make out. So it's not clear if it's a driving game or a flying game or what on earth it is. So because they're kind of naff graphics and are blocky and a bit ugly and the towers are off in the distance, as you sort of get towards them, you know, you, you have to blow them up. And that's kind of all there is to it. So it's kind of a, it's a bit of a mishmash between a driving game without the track and a flying game without the ability to fly. And in somewhere in the middle of all that, you end up with stealth. Now, I'm guessing you're a stealth fighter. However, you're not particularly stealthy in any way because everyone sees you come in and you blow everything <laughs> up inside. So I'm not sure what the stealth element is. I didn't get that. But the object of the game is to reach and destroy the dark towers. Um, once you destroy the tower at level one, you move to level two and you have to shoot the tower twice and level three, three times and so on and so on and so on. It's got five levels in the game uh, in total, so five towers have to die, and then after that you've won and you go back to the start. And that's that game. What did I think of it? I thought it was very average, not much fun, difficult to navigate and play. I felt like I should have been able to take off and couldn't, which annoyed me. But that's my take on it. What about you? Uh, yeah, I've not got much else to say. So I think a passable 3D Book Rogers style affair. Yeah, another um, Book Rogers one. Another, yeah, that and Hunter Patrol. This, this mm. one. It's Tisha tries, tries to get to the Dark Tower for some reason. Yeah. Um, I, there was some preamble about that. I was like, okay. Uh, I mean, it looks okay. Uh, yeah, the, the sprites are quite nice and, and, and it's fast. I just, you know, played it. I just found it far too hard. There's two types of shields, things you can go through to, to top up shields. One depletes them, one puts them up. It's really hard to actually try and aim at the ones that put them yeah. up because everything's... You, you accelerate, everything, don't you, by pushing forward and you decelerate by... So you can, yeah. You've got speed control, for want of a better You have got some speed control, but it's like when if you go to slow sort of thing, then everything just shoots you too quickly and the shields yep. are down too fast. Exactly, yeah. It, you know, it's, so, it's very hard to... It's that sort of... A, problem again sort of thing with trying to sort of move stuff in you know it's trying to get the c64 to move stuff in 3d from side to side and coming towards you sort of thing and it just ends up with things juddering around a bit and not being able to be sort of solid and and real because it's just sprite scaling stuff and not quite working um mm. the best thing i could say about this was it had a nice font it did have a nice font actually yes typeface <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I like i like the font that it had sort of thing yeah. but um as a game i played it for a bit i tried a few times i died quickly uh then i realized obviously i had then i really had a real look at the title screen i said oh right that's those are positive energy things okay so i will try to go through them got a bit further but didn't get anywhere near any towers or anything i didn't shoot any towers i just got killed every time i couldn't get anywhere near him it was just just book rogers style shooter that if you like these you're probably gonna like it again but you yeah. know it, is it better than hunter patrol probably i think um, it's better than hunter patrol i think it was hunter patrol yeah, was awful was this was dog this egg, was yeah. yeah it's the same kind of deal really but at least the sprites mm. are bigger and you could see them easier at, at least some of them yeah uh, yeah, I give that. I'm probably being a bit harsh. It is better than Punch Patrol. And I did. It's not that I didn't enjoy my time with this. It just was. I don't know. I just found it a bit, a bit frustrating. Yeah, a bit uh, nothing. And, and, and a bit trying to do something that just 
wasn't quite there sort of thing. It's this this it's that flickery unpredictableness of, of enemies in three D. Yep. That that they've not quite nailed yet. I don't no. know if you know other games might get it in time sort of thing, but this this was just trying to move too much around and, and mm. was failing that. But yeah. Nice one. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's odd when the only good thing you can say about a game is it's got a nice typeface, <laughs> really. But yeah, yeah, well, I agree. You, know, you, you look for the positives where you can find them. Yeah, true, um, true, true. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, I didn't understand why it was called stealth. You were in a stealth fighter, but you just shot everything and yeah, everything could why, see you immediately. Why wouldn't you just call it the Dark Tower? Since the aim of the game is to blow up the Dark Tower. Well, we had the Dark Tower the in one of our earlier right oh, near the start. Maybe, actually, maybe that's why and, they couldn't call it that. Yeah, and and that was about an egg. So you weren't controlling an egg trying to get to a tower. Yeah, maybe that's why they didn't want to get mixed up with that monstrosity so this monstrosity got its own name yeah that's, stealth. Fair. that's fair yeah anyway so stealth yeah not so stealthy but yeah. if you if you if you're a fan of your c64 typefaces it's worth a look yeah it's worth and also <laughs> you know if you if you do like your zooming games where you zoom into the screen just wait just hold off and wait because there are good ones that come they're just not right now so that's just true. wait just wait okay up next well, this is unusual, this game, and I'm not quite sure how much I'm going to have to say about this, but uh, it is a C64 version of James Herbert's The Rats. So, uh, for those who don't know, the 80s were replete with authors writing horror novels based around animals. And they the most popular ones being James Herbert's The Rats. There was things like Cujo. I mean, I suppose that was the 70s from Stephen King. Uh, but also uh, Sean Hudson's Slugs and Breeding Grounds. And there was a series of them. So was The Rats from James Herbert. Um, and, and, and the 80s had loads and loads and loads of these kind of novels, these horror novels about people getting killed in really, really horrible ways. And I mean really horrible sort of thing. So The Rats was basically about these giant rats that eight people um, in London and this is a, a this is a, a version of that for some reason I completely was completely unaware that this game even existed I'd never heard of it I didn't I had no idea that there was a Same. version of this bypassed me at the time sort of thing I didn't read the rats until a few years later mid to late 80s so you know, I've, I, I came to it a bit later, sort of thing. So this game has probably gone and forgotten about by then. So this has elements. Um, I don't know. There's no preamble. The game, my, the version I played, just just started, and there was some kind of map of London, uh, a really, really sort of basic map of London in the middle of the screen, and you had some options that you could reinforce stuff or report on stuff or go and investigate things. And then before I could do anything sort of thing, I was launched into like these sort of mini skits where people were menaced by rats and you had like, a, it was like, it all obviously became like a, a text-based adventure where you could choose to stop and look and move places by joystick. You didn't type anything. And the choices you made would either get you away or lead you to horrible deaths at the, uh, you know, by the by the rats who were starting to kill people around London. And then you would, once these skits had played out, you'd go back to this uh, map screen and you had to try and figure out what was going on and send people in to report and investigate. And you'd get back, bits of London were, were being overrun by the rats and you'd carry on. And I, and I found it very, very impenetrable. Um, this was, wasn't in any way particularly user-friendly. It was a you know, I think maybe this was trying to riff on uh, the fourth protocol, which we looked at a few episodes back, but much worse. And there's there's an interesting premise here sort of thing, you know, the, the whole trying to be, again, control the military as London is overrun by, by sort of killer rats. But I just couldn't make head and the tail of it, and I couldn't find my way through it to really get on with it. And so it, it just left me nonplussed is the best I can say about it. I don't know, did you... 
Did you get very far into it? Did you? I'm did afraid you get on with it? I didn't. I was never a fan of the Herbert novels anyway. But I thought I'd go. I tried going into this with a bit of an open mind. It's not something that had ever come across my radar before. So I went into it and it felt to me like a choose your own adventure book that had been converted into a sort of joystick controlled choose your own adventure thing you had that little map screen didn't you and you could sort of go in and choose things and each time i did anything like that it went sort of from me clicking things to then uh, what looks like a screen being eaten to then me being described uh, an inexplicably horrible death in some way and that seemed to do that a lot so i thought you know had I had more time and inclination to probably actually sit down and go, right, I'm going to play this for a longer period. I'm, I'm going to need to give this a bit longer. There might have been something in it. I don't generally do these adventure games anyway. The, even So even if it's a type-in or whether it's a joystick select or whatever, I'm not a big fan of them, generally speaking. Um, for me, they feel slow and dull. But I imagine if, you, if you're into the rats and you're into that kind of whole world and you're into this, this is probably um, a good extension to the, the book. So you'd have read the book and it, there might be real key scenes in the book that this plays out that I'd, I'm completely unaware of. It's not a book I've ever read either. Um, so if you're into the rats and you're into the Herbert novels and you're into that kind of super violent, gory, descriptive prose, I imagine this is r- right up your street. But for me, it was a complete off the radar, you know, mi- not a misfire. I imagine if you like it, you like it. But for me, I didn't I didn't get anything from it. I, I think for, out of genuine curiosity, it's something that people should load up and have a look at just because there are some really unusual controls in there. And it has got a really weird presentation style, which you don't see a lot of. So for if you're curious about that you could go in and have a look at that and see how far you could get but other than that it wasn't it certainly wasn't for me at all yeah I mean I've my closing note on this is an intriguing but confusing take on the book that could certainly draw you in if you fancy a step away from arcade adventures and sports games mm. yeah yeah um, exactly I think there that there's, some, there's, there. there's something here and if you if you want to sort of dig into it and you could probably get something from this it, you know it's similar in tone not in tone sort of thing but similar in style to something like Shadowfire it's something different you know it's just, it's doing mm. something different with you know with a joystick and an interface that's not your typical arcade stuff that's around at this point in time and you might get something from it I mean I it's been 30 odd years since I've read The Rat so I couldn't I don't know if the skits were scenes from the book I couldn't, couldn't tell you I can't remember but yeah it was you know one point I think I uh, <laughs> the, the second skit was some guy in a shop um and I ended up gassing myself and, and dying that way. <laughs> so. I, I, the one I ended up with, the woman got her face eaten off. Was, so. that, the, was that the little girl? Did you have the little girl yeah, in the paper yeah, round yeah, going yeah, through yeah. the building site? Yeah, yeah I, got, I got eaten there. I did it again sort of thing and then didn't go in the building site and then she just legged it. But there's a way, there's another one. With the second one, you're the guy at the shopkeep. You can... If you, the the, shit, the rats all come in, I can eat you. Or, or I ended up gassing myself down in the cellar when I mixed the two liquids that I'd found. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, oh, that's the wrong thing. You know, that's the kind of thing this game does. It's just, but I, I, I couldn't, I think that my problem was sort of thing is I couldn't quite meld the skits with yeah. the the sort of grand, the, the overarching view of, that you had. They didn't seem to, I couldn't see yeah. how one was le- feeding into the other and, and in any in any way. And that, no. that, that may have been just me, but that's what I, I, I like. I agree, I agree. There we go, the rats. Interesting take and you might get something from it, but you might not. I don't know, I can't you tell get, you. You will, I guarantee what you will get and that's eaten by rats at some point in that game everybody gets eaten by rats that's the whole point of the books right let's move on uh, to our last game for this uh, episode uh, this part sorry Um, and our last game to look at is Axis Assassin which sounds better than it is I think go on (laughs) <laughs> it is, yeah. So this is from the guys that made Mule. They're one of our 
previous games that we didn't like. Uh, John Fields, the guy that made Mule, and this is so. This is from the Mister Mule, and it's it's essentially a, a, it's a take on or a version of depends how you look at it. It's kind of a glass half full, half empty conversation um, on Atari's arcade Tempest. So this is a variant of Tempest, same kind of idea. And Tempest is a kind of a shooter. It's a clever shooter. It's a vector based shooter originally in Tempest, but the idea is you're on kind of space tracks, for want of a better description. Um, and you uh, are a sort of a spaceship on these tracks. Um, you can shoot along the tracks, and there's enemies coming towards you. You can shoot those um, and clear pathways of them, um, and you can sort of travel left and right and go sort of and follow the pathways of these tracks up and to the sides and round, um, and then um, along as well. It's, it is hard, to, quite hard to describe the vectory nature of it, but just imagine that you're shooting towards from the back, from the front of the screen where you're positioned, shooting towards the back at a target in the distance. And you could sort of uh, navigate these kind of um, vector track lines, wires. And then um, at a certain point when you clear enough path, a giant spider appears, you can shoot that, and then you can travel along the pathway to the next level. The next level is then made of various different kinds of vector track lines in different kind of angles. Again, you can sh- sort of skit around the angles. It's quite frantic, shooty pace. It's quite a, it's quite a nicely done. It fe- some of it feels a little bit laboured when it draws kind of the... It reminded me of that a horrific owl versus spider game that we played where it... Oh, Diamonds. The, yeah, where it re- drew the kind of level at the beginning so you get this kind of but it actually positions these things that you can need to shoot and collect in a certain sequence so there is sort of a method to it nice pace controls are responsive the whole thing just felt a little bit under published and under polished so it just felt like it if it, it just needed some finishing touches on it to make it really good um because the graphics in of themselves aren't bad it's kind of medium res but you kind of get away with it this so it, it's got a pace and a sort of a the colors are quite nice it's kind of a sheeny kind of sparkly kind of effect and it's quite nice it's just it's a version of tempest that lacks i think the vavavoom of tempest because tempest is actually quite an addictive arcade game so because it lacks that sort of punch and power it's kind of a tempest light it's not quite ready it's not quite there enjoyable for a while but i'm not going to be playing this for a long time to come so that was my take on it i think you you think you liked it more than i did i really didn't get on with this i tried to dig into it sort of thing because i was like when when was it released and it I could only find reference to it being made in 1983. Yeah, it um, felt like, I say, it felt like either an older game or an un, yeah, uh, unpolished. Was, it just felt like those early games didn't have a lot of polish about them. Yeah, did they? but it's like, why is this being released now? Well, we know um, why. We know why, yeah. Sort of thing. But it's 995 as well. Like, mm. for God's sake. So I, I played it sort of thing, and, and I felt, yeah, like you said, it was, yeah, it's Tempest to, to a degree. I mean, there's some extra bits in it. You can move up and down, you know, the, the webs and what mm. have you and stuff like that, and you can fire forwards and backwards. And, yeah, it's, 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 it's all right in that respect. But I had a look at other versions of it sort of thing, and this just felt like, it just it just felt like a, a, a knockoff version from like the, the Atari or whatever sort of thing, which seemed much faster, um, much faster version of this because I think they could just do it better. Um, and this just it felt felt slow and a bit clunky. And I just I, I yeah I, I like Tempest um, and I've liked very, various versions of Tempest through the years sort of thing. I think I do remember playing this you know briefly back in the day, but um, you know back in the eighties. But even then, I don't I don't remember any kind of like affinity for it even at the time. Whereas I you know I played. Uh, Tempest in arcades and 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 like that. If I think it was an arcade, if it was arcade games, but this just it just left me cold. You know, there's, there's some nice elements to it, but I couldn't get get on with it really. And and, and I thought it was just a bit bit dull. It just uh, yeah, that was that yeah. was my take on this. It was uh, it was you know I I, I stop stop saying you know it, it felt like a game again out of time. Yeah, and I wondered if Tempest was done better by anyone else. Anyway, you know this is there is there actually a C64 version of Tempest that 
is better than this. There probably is. I don't know. And maybe probably. I'm sure Minter did one, didn't he? I mean, Jeff Minter did it. Yeah, he did do a really great version. Actually, it's really, did really he? good. So well, I'm not is sure if it's on the C64. No, I know he's done loads of versions of Tempest over the years, mm. but I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a, te- it's a version of Tempest on C64. It just feels like it's an old arcade game, isn't it? It's just an old arcade game. Yeah. Someone's done a version of it in 1983. They've released it two years later, and it's like there you go. Uh, there's a there's a penchant for liking it because obviously I think in the review they say that oh it's a decent Tempest game finally on the C64. It's like yeah, but I'd rather go play Winter Games or Paradroid for Christ's sake um, yeah. at this point. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. But for, for me, Axis Assassin, I really like the name. There's a real coolness to the name. Um, and mm. I'm not quite sure what the name has to do with the with the game. Again, I'm not sure that has anything to do with it. Why? <laughs> but they probably couldn't get the license, so they couldn't call it Tempest. Yeah, so Axis Assassin is is a cool title, uh, but it's unfortunately attached to a rather unappealing, unenjoyable game that is probably better. This is one of the things, sort of thing, where you say this is better on other machines. I went and I went and sort of had a look at other versions on YouTube, sort of thing, and they seem much faster and much more responsive. A game like this needs to feel fast. You yeah. need to be zipping about, doing about, and I felt yeah. at times this sort of thing. Vector graphics in the C64. Well, they're not vector graphics on that. They're, 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 Whatever they are, they look like vector graphics. Yeah, they're, they're sprite scaled. They're not because you it would it never run that quickly on a C64 with vector graphics ever. It's just not. It's not compatible. Whatever they were, it didn't look. They don't look great. No, okay. It's medium res. You can tell by the sort of the way that the lines are got that horrible medium resy angles to them. Anyway, it is what it is. It's it's Tempest, but not as we know it, Jim. Not as we know it, Jim. No, it's not. Certainly not. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> Wish it ended better, but it didn't. Axis Assassin, great name, not great game. Right, so that's our games for this uh, episode. Uh, so we've looked at music. What games have we looked at? We have looked at the Activision Little Computer People Discovery Kit, Paradroid, Wizardry, Sorcerer Attack, Hunter Patrol. We've looked at music, obviously. We've then gone on to look at Winter Games, Stealth, The Rats, and finally Axis Assassin. There's your games for this session. We're going to look at more games next week, um, and we'll come to those in a moment. But first of all, uh, let's do some crapverts. So we've got some crapverts to look at, maybe two or three. Our first one, not particularly a, a crapvert, but just I was a bit bemused by this. This is an Electric Dreams advert. I, I, I didn't know what I was really looking at on this. Because <laughs> the game, the, there's, it's just a load of triangles. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Because Electric Dreams is the company that makes the games, and that yeah. actually features more prominently than the actual games they've made. And the text is so small, but it says... So just to sort of say what you've got, you've got this... There's, there's a background, there's a repeated background of a yellow and a yellow and white triangle, like puzzle pieces, all, all the way across this entire advert, from top to bottom, in kind of slightly opaque, uh, slightly transparency text. You've got Beyond Your Wildest Dreams in like a soft, you know, script style font uh, across the top. Then you've got the Electric Dreams logo, which is a triangle. So this gets the logo, you know, obviously all those triangle bits. Uh, it's quite a nice logo. It's not terrible. I've seen a lot worse. There's some text there, which is quite hard to read. And then at the bottom, I, there's some games. Mm. Um, well, they're two parts of the same game by the sound of oh, it. Oh, S- Spy's Demise and Spy Strikes Back. Uh, again, two episodes. Two, two episodes. Digital dexterity and devious deduction are only two of the skills you'll require when you take on the nasty bad men. <laughs> oh <dear. laughs> In these two episodes from the world's most 
intriguing espionage story. Now, we've just reviewed um, Earthforce Protocol. Mm. I reckon that's a more intriguing espionage story, you know? I, I suspect it uh, is. I reckon John le Carre might have a, a few a few words well, what's, about this. What, what's curious here also is in that centre section, it says in really tiny writing, some of the world's most ingenious minds will be recruited to bring you entertainment and excitement beyond your wildest dreams. So they don't even hired anyone to make these things yet. This is a yeah. this is a proper sales pitch of the company more than the games. And I think this is this shouts of you know we've got big ideas. Let's take out a full page ad in a magazine and see if anyone bites. Yeah, because it says buy this title as the first of many to complete your range of electric dream. What does that even mean? What are they advertising? Be <laughs> clear know. about it. Stop putting things in triangles, for goodness sake. Why? <laughs> Everything's a triangle. It's a, str- it's a strange advert, and that's why I included it, because and that Beyond Your Wildest Dreams has got a drop shadow as well, hasn't it? Oh, don't even get me started on that. Which is not, which is all over the place. Well, just don't you know, make the background more opaque or make the front less opaque. Either way, don't double opaque and then put a drop sword in it because <laughs> it just it blends into some opacity madness and yellow and light grey. Come on, come on, what are we doing yeah. here? It looks like cheese in the background with a little chunk missing. <laughs> yeah, it does actually. Oh. So, so it's a made of cheese. It's a strange pitch of an advert that doesn't really know what it's about. I don't know. There's an amazing new concept in software presentation. Electric Dreams will bring you two exciting games in one double-sized cassette package. It's superb. Why do I have a feeling that the game was presented in a triangle-shaped box or something really naff? (laughs) I don't know. But the thing is, the, the, the... The things at the bottom, there's no visuals. There's, well, there's no gra- uh, graphics on the game. It's just two, what you know, images that, that are pretty naff. Yeah, not great. Somebody's. It's one of those classic <sighs> '80s logos as well, where you've got a preponderance of triangles and ge- geometry for no reason. The world electric in that, and it, it actually, if you took away everything else, it's got a kind of a Gary Newman album vibe about the look of that as well. Yeah. So it's got <laughs> kind of a you know, the word electric <laughs> is in some kind of sort of um, serif-based Times Roman kind of style then you've got this peculiar cheese triangle thing with a chunk missing then dreams <laughs> is written in sort of toothpaste it's just it just shouts it it just shouts kind of um, oh, electric, electric creams it is electric creams isn't it it just shouts that kind of you know it's a band from the 80s album isn't it it's a new it's a new romantic yeah. album that never was yes um yeah, so, yeah and i suspect those games because that character and that one in the triangle to the bottom right looks a bit like a fat inspector gadget <laughs> Yeah, he does, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it's all about. Uh, it's, it's not a terrible advert. It's just a bemusing advert. It's just like, what I'm the not hell sure what are they're selling? advertising. <laughs> yeah, no. Just be clear what you're selling. You're either selling games or you're selling your company, but what you aren't doing is selling a... It's like, it's like if that's a job advert, I ain't applying. Let's move on to our, our next one. <laughs> and this starts our run of boxing games with uh, questionable representation on them. Oh, what is it with boxing games and questionable <laughs> representation? <laughs> so this is Fight Night. Uh, which was from years gold. It's a uh, not. A, we haven't looked at it yet. Actually, I think it's coming. There is some sort of screenshot of it. I think in this this month. And it's a you know it's a it's a very graphically very impressive uh, boxing game. Side up side on boxing game similar to well similar in view to uh, Exploding Fist, Baron Rubin, profile style. So profile style graphics with very cartoony they were. But the advert. Do you wanna do you wanna take the advert and? Well, so this is a what, this is a this is Bob Wakelin, right? It is Bob Wakelin, yeah. So this is a Bob Wakelin drawing. So firstly, uh, at least it the representations of the characters are well drawn. Oh yeah, and it's well really coloured. well drawn. And yeah, I'll, I like the fact that it looks like the corners of the boxing ring are actually hot dogs. Um, <laughs> never mind that. Um, so you've got uh, you know, boxer to the left in his green shorts, you know, Rocky style 
kind of boxer. And then we run into issues, don't we, with our Fu Manchu boxing Chinese kung fu person in his kung fu slippers, kung fu pants, and the kind of obligatory handlebar, long handlebar, 70s Chinese gangster style, no, just just oriental stereotyping of the kind that they did in the 80s that thank God they don't do anymore. And I suspect that that... I haven't played it. I suspect that game is full of them because these boxing games are always full of them. So he's probably going to be called something awful like Fu Manchu or, you know, I'm not even going to go into the list of potential stereotypical Chinese boxing person names probably in that game, along with all the other horrific things. As a piece of artwork for a game, at least it's got energy and it it is blatantly someone being punched right in the nutsack, which is (laughs) the very least it's that. So it is what it is. What's curious is why the fight night writing at the top which is where the sort of is is clearly I think they're meant to be sponges like because there's kind of water sort of squeegeeing out of them I, I don't quite know where this <laughs> what the direction of this is but it's an odd old uh, it's an odd old thing but at least it features some screen grabs of the game in there thankfully they're tiny because I'm looking at those I have a feeling that the characters are dodgy at best <laughs> yeah I, I seem to remember it I, I, I seem to remember it not being quite as bad as the other boxing game that we haven't mentioned yet. Well, seriously, they've got a quote from Zap on this advert <laughs> I was, from, no, I was from gonna, the November I was, issue. I was going to come to that. It's like watching and playing a cartoon computer version. There is a preview of it in this issue. Mm. Fight Night has pushed the graphical capabilities of C64 to its utmost limits, but there's no review. Mm. And also, as well, I've, I've just looked at the uh, titles reviewed in the next issue, and it ain't there either. Sensing a little bit of uh, tomfoolery around yeah. there and Tony what does Tony Takushi from Computing Video Games say it has classic as style forget the rest Fight Night is quite simply the absolute best I don't believe he said those words I think they made that or I think they're just taking out the game he actually spoke about and put the word Fight Night in <laughs> <laughs> he probably did. It's probably another preview. I don't know because I don't think this is out. This is out of her yet. So no. they're, they're 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 advertising this on the back of previews, which is a ropey ropey at best sort of thing. But yeah. the, the reason I wanted to include this to look at sort of thing is again just that that representationalism sort of thing of of the you know othering and yes. you know and, and just blatant you know orientalism of, of yeah, like it's the, the, just you know what if, are they if, doing? If, if they're Chinese or they're Japanese or whatever sort of thing, they they've got to have this Fu Manchu esque. Appearance, yeah. Yeah. which yeah. is you know, oh dear. Yeah, you know, he's got to be in his sort of baggy kung fu pants. He's got to be wearing kung fu slippers. He's not allowed to be wearing the same boxing attire that regulations specify you must wear in a boxing ring. Of course, this one is held together by string and hot dogs, so all bets are off really with that. And the crowd yeah. in the background look like they're uh, kind of in- intermediately concerned. There is a guy looking bemused right between. The uh, the Chinese fighter's legs just between <laughs> yeah, his knees. I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, which I imagine he's probably very impressed with the power of that uh, crotch punch, which has just been because it's meant to be a stomach punch, but we know that isn't. There's um, a guy on the left as well, sort of thing, just to the left of the hot dog in the background, sort of thing. He's just carefully stroking his chin. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, <laughs> next to the guy that looks like Leonard Nimoy or Spock from Star Trek, <laughs> shouting at somebody. So just there's all it's, there's a lot to look at in that. But you know what? It's it's a, there's a nice style to it. Don't get me wrong. So I, don't awake, agree, I don't agree with it, but it's a Wakeland piece, so it's good. It's just yeah. I think even it's, he it's would. Good. You know, it's just a, 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 I just wanted to pull it out sort of thing because of, yeah. you know, the, 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 your representation, which you just would not get away with I these days. The strange thing is, Barry McGuigan's boxing doesn't do that, does it? No, it says a picture of Barry McGuigan. Yeah, but it, well, I mean, even the game doesn't feature, you know, horrific 
stereotypes from all around no, the world. I mean, no, like, by a country mile, this is nowhere in the same league as Super Punch-Out or Frank Bruno's Boxing, as it was known. It's not even the same league as the titling of the naming of the characters in that, for goodness sake. No. What's he called in that? Fling Long Chop or something awful. So Yeah. So, so But, you know, this game is heading down that territory. Why? I, I think they, they're picking this up from the arcade heritage, aren't they? The arcade boxing games all had characters and stereotypical characters and names like that. Um, so just, this is, they, they're getting it from that. But, you know, you could, they could be bigger. They could be, they could, back then, maybe they didn't know any different. But now, basically. Mid-1980s and the view of the other, isn't it? It's just, yeah, just, what, it, just what it is. Just what Can it you, is. Just imagine if you released these games now. No. The uproar there would be if you had that advert. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> you just, you just, no, it'd just be like, no, you'd have the advertising standards on your back quicker than you could say stereotype. So, no. Uh, and our last one. Um, <laughs> live out your dreams on the Southern Bell. <laughs> God's sakes. So, so uh, tra- train simulator. <laughs> I don't know. It's a train. It's a picture of a train. I, I, my dreams are not on the Southern Bell. No. 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 There's bits of it I like. I like the... There's, there's some nice theme, some con- you know, cons- you know. I like the uh, the Southern Bell, which looks like the you know uh, the sign that you see on the side of the. Basically, this is like a three quarter perspective view of a train coming out. You know, a steam, a steam engine, and this is a steam engine simulator. This game, yep. so fair enough. It's all thematically quite consistent. That looks like you know the sort of signage that you would see on the side of a steam engine. The Southern Bell logo, quite nice. The ticket is quite nice, but it's just God's sake, people. This yeah, is, you know, how, this is this is glider pilot and kayak. Yeah, and how many train type puns can you fit into one passage on a on an <laughs> advert here? You know, now we have just the ticket. Hop aboard the footplate. <laughs> wipe the soot from your eyes. You know, it just it's just oh, for goodness sake, just I get it. It's about trains, all right. And you're not going to get me giddy about trains in any capacity. But you know, if somebody really wants to pull the Pullman carriages from Victoria to Brighton and make sure they do it in a time limit, this is this is the simulation for you. I don't imagine it's as exciting as being on a train. So but you know what? Maybe I'm not I'm not into these simulators at all. I feel but I feel bad sometimes thinking maybe I should be more into them. No, but, you should um, no, don't feel bad. But, no. But what no, are you doing? Look at them. <laughs> You're I mean, getting sucked I, into the dream. No, 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 I mean I, I, I would never I would never knowingly load up a train simulator. Um, because if it was actually a real train simulator, let me tell you, you're gonna get stuck between Doncaster and just outside of Doncaster <laughs> for about two hours. Um, you're going to run out of... No, the toilets aren't going to work on any of the trains in any capacity. You're always going to be an hour late no matter where you're going. And um, they pipe the water for the coffees that you buy from hell itself because it's that so hot. Would, that, would the tagline for that more likely be live out your nightmares on the 9.45 to Doncaster? <laughs> yeah, that would actually be more accurate, yeah. It would be live out your nightmares, yeah. And the, and the challenge of the game is to get to Doncaster because, you know, it's not unlike, unlikely to happen. Avoid leaves on the train, on the track. Yeah, you know, and then it'll just be, you know, it would actually just be train cancellation simulator, so it just brings up a board <laughs> and it's just cancelled. You can't play the game today, sorry. Everything's cancelled. Oh, it's, so it's a very good. real simulation. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. You, you were going to uh, drive this from here to here, sort of thing. Unfortunately, you're cancelled. So uh, yeah. the, game, the game just turns off and deletes itself and wipes yeah, the it, tape. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, oh, oh. You, you can never turn your computer off. It just welds itself on. So it's like, right, that's it. This game's, this game's, this, you know, the, the track is broken. It's going to take six months to repair. For real. So your computer's going to be broken for six months. Enjoy. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that. Crap. Crap, crap, yeah. crap. 
Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. There's that People crap dig birds. it, though. I mean, I had a, um, uh, one of my uh, relatives who was well into those model trains, and he had hundreds, spent hundreds and hundreds of pounds well, on the, to- the model railway. So, that, you know what? If you like that kind of thing, I'm sure it's right up your street. Not for me, though. To be fair, my... Um- one of my, my best friends uh, uh, right around this time, actually, sort of thing, about 82, sort of 83, 84, 85, sort of like, late, middle, late middle school, would actually would have been middle school sort of thing, was into train spotting, and he dragged me along on several occasions to go train spotting um, and tried to get me into it, and he had his book full of uh, numbers um, mm. and stuff like that. And, and he, you know, he was, he was my best mate, so I cut him some slack. Mm. Um, but, God's sake, it was boring. Well, I, d- I don't get it, but you know what? But then again, you know, it's like any, any, you know, the people have their little quirks and their little nuances, don't they? I can, uh, for me, I can imagine back in the days when there were steam trains, seeing them coming along the track of the different colours and types and all. I imagine that is, I mean, even now, <coughs> if you see a steam train, it does capture your, you know, it's, it's different to seeing just, you know, a yeah, diesel okay, that looks okay. like every other diesel train or electric train just trundling in and out of the platform. I, I don't get that, but I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, a fan of these things. I'm, no. you know what? Just as a completely separate side I had a, a I lived with a train spotter when I was at university not on purpose but we just shared a house and um, I once got detoured on a train journey got on the way home from Derby to, to where I live lived at the time and uh, it took a, took us down all these weird tracks that, and I, was, I remember saying to this, uh, this chap um, Brian his name was saying god yeah we ended up going on this really strange route and he's like oh my god you've been on the Tinsley Curve people pay good money for that to this day I don't know what he was talking about <laughs> No, I'm sure, I'm sure that's an amazing thing. So if you are a train spotter and you know what the Tinsley curve is, feel free to tweet or contact us because I'm still to this day, I'm not sure what I'd been on and why. But uh, if you do know, I'd like to know what the Tinsley curve is. So. Well, to be fair, of course you pay good money to pay on that because you buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't just jump on a train and say, take me around the Tinsley curve. You go, no, well, no. you buy, buy a ticket. Believe it or not, um, for the train spotters out there, they run train track tours where you can oh, go on they? bits of track yeah bits of track that you don't normally get to go on you do know sort of thing that this conversation has cost us about 40 downloads don't you people well, are not going to be downloading <laughs> the next episode I, I'll, I'll trim <laughs> i'll trim this right down to the bare minimum so it'll just say train track good no that'll be it Live keep it nice and simple no tinsley curve <laughs> yeah tinsley curve exactly yeah, yeah, that's all it'll be so. all right there we go there's our crap verts. Uh, they'll be on the website as per normal. Go have a look at them. Wonder what the hell is you're supposed to be playing in that Electric Dreams one. Grimace at the Orientalism and the horrible representation stuff of Fight Night. And wonder if you can really live out your dreams on the Southern Bell. That's it for this part. We'll be back uh, next week when we will be covering more games from November uh, 1985. Some of those games will be uh, Hacker. We'll be looking at cops and robbers <laughs> we'll also be looking at steve davis's snooker we'll be looking at wizard's lair um and uh karatika and and a few others as well as long with along with movies that came out uh, and anything that was going on in tv uh so there you go please join us next week for those delight uh, i've been adrian mills i have been graham I don't like trains, but I do <laughs> like people that do sometimes. We've been, <laughs> zapped, we, we've been zapped to the past in uh, a version of the Matrix that you just don't want. Not like that. Not like that. Reset the Matrix immediately. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night. Goodbye. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, sights, sounds and news from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine, published at the time. 
We will be back next week with another podcast, so do please join us. Until then, please head over to zaptothepast.com to sign up to our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You will also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Zap to the Past. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe and see you next time.